Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts. I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Uh, what have you been um, playing lately? Because I always get the sense you're like two steps ahead of me on games. And <laughs> I thought you graduated from FF16 onto like Diablo and maybe some other stuff. What sort uh, of, uh, what's going on? I'm still finishing FF16, but I've just, I've reached so many side quests. I've basically got side quests and the last mission and I can't get over the side quest hump. So that's, that's kind of a bit of a tough hang at the moment. Uh, and I am trying to get into Diablo 4 just before it like runs away from me completely and they're talking about like the sixth season of content or whatever and I just go fuck it this is never for me so that's kind (laughs) of what I'm doing I'm actually going through a big reading phase at the moment I'm like reading every spare minute I have uh like I kind of went through an intense game phase then a really intense film phase specifically around Mission Impossible and now I'm in this like intense book phase so um yeah. but I'm you know I'm really looking forward to doing the Mission Impossible episode and I've been <laughs> you know picking up little clues here and there of your opinions <laughs> on the series from your every once in a while your tweets just sort of out of nowhere weirdly like in the middle of the day here's an opinion on Rogue Nation. <laughs> <laughs> well that's only cuz I'm off for 3 days this week oh, so Oh right that I, explains de- it. <laughs> For the for the podcast listeners' benefit or the XL tier uh, listeners' benefit, that that's me dedicating my days off to making sure I've done my research for a podcast. Basically, playing old ass PS3 games for this episode, a deeply cursed exercise, and then also watching um, yeah Mission Impossible movies. I've, I've seen I had previously seen one to four. And I hadn't seen five and six, and I'm going to see seven tomorrow during the day. So uh, oh, nice. I'll have them all ticked off. But yeah, you know, I am um, getting into it. Like Rogue Nation seems to be one that divides people a little bit. Obviously, we'll talk about this on the episode. Mm. But I thought it was a step down from the uh, imaginative set piece design from uh, uh, horny mega brain Brad Bird. Um, only saying horny because there is a Leia Sedu Paula Patton fight in that, which is, I would say, slightly horny for Mission Impossible. <laughs> so uh, there are clothes ripping. You never see. Tom Cruise's clothes rip when he has a fight in those films, no. you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, anyway. That's because um, he's just so covered in bruises and scars. Like, his body's just a horror show. That's the <laughs> price of all those stunts. His face is fine, but his body is just, like, gnarly as fuck. Yeah, okay, like a grim note to, to begin on there. So, yes, we keep, we've we talked about that fucking Mission Impossible episode, like, eight times now on this podcast. That's because I'm excited does, about it. <laughs> I am too, actually. I'm, I'm sort of slowly building the plan, and like I'm excited to litigate Simon Pegg's role in those films with you. For example, <laughs> it's gonna be uh, gonna be a fun one. I can't wait but- to talk about the uh, Chinese actress who's like fifth in the credits in Rogue Nation and has one line in the film. What's all that about? <laughs> Oh, that's got big. We secured funding from <laughs> yes, <it does. laughs> Energy, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That is like such a 2015 thing to have in a movie. So, uh, yeah, good times. Okay, then. This episode, um, just to pull Matthew back down to earth with a thud, <laughs> we're talking about the PlayStation 3. Mm. Three! So, we did the Xbox 360 draft and thought we should probably do, you know, the kind of reverse of that, the PS3 draft, while we're we're in this subject area. I think um, what is interesting about this episode, Matthew, and I I don't know if you will agree with this, so obviously in these episodes we try and pick the games that summarise the consoles, and in the 360s case, that meant all of the games that Microsoft Studios were responsible for, um, or Xbox Studios, whatever they were called back then, Microsoft Game Studios, I think that's what they were called, and then also the massive suite of multi-platform stuff that represented the 360 in our sort of mind's eye on top of that so it was quite a quite an undertaking and in retrospect i kind of wish we had 15 or 20 categories for that episode because there were just so many so many games we could have picked but 
The PS3, by comparison, I don't know if you've approached your sort of like tentative selections this way. It's a much narrower field, and defining the PS3 is not really about that multi-platform experience because this is simply where I don't think most people were really experiencing multi-platform games. At least, you know, anecdotally, it felt that way to me. Do you think that's fair for this episode? Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. There are so many of these games. Actually, like looking at them, <laughs> I was hit with surprise that they are on PS3. Because in my head, they are so 360 games. Even though I know them to be multi-platform games, there's a little bit of like, huh, yeah, I guess that was on there. Um, and just like the, the tech difference between the two and the fact that PS3 versions were <laughs> often sort of troubled. The thing I didn't get is that given all that, is how the hell did PS3 sell more than the 360? <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's one very simple reason for that. Is My understanding is that Sony has... A level of like market dominance in Europe, and I don't mean just the UK. I mean all of Europe, where where they are basically impossible to dis to dismount from from their their place there. Like right. my understanding is that the, during the PS one PS two eras, they became so prevalent in Europe in a way that other games companies were not. That they just have like a massive sort of stranglehold on that market, basically. So it would take catastrophic failure for them to sort of like um to lose that and mm. it whereas in north america i think it's a lot more even and xbox is sort of like xbox has the potential to to rival them or has the same sort of level of you know a similar level of brand recognition so mm. i think that that might be why um that might be why but it was a it was a slow burn like i think the 360 was like in in front for a long time obviously launched a year earlier in 2005 ps3 was 2006 in the us and japan and then 2007 in europe but yeah it did did eventually overtake it by a little bit but that was just a massive obviously turnaround from the ps2 generation where the ps2 sold more than 100 million and xbox i think sold something like 30 to 40 million somewhere right. in that range so um you know it really was like a shifting tide but uh, mm, well, yeah what would thank you for have... thank you for filling me in <laughs> no worries um which games out of interest were the ones that surprised you that um, they were on ps3 as well as 360 uh no well, I, I, no I, I, you know i guess can i think of any particular examples <laughs> Obli- like oblivion or bioshock those kind of games yeah that kind of those yeah, those kind of things um yeah, just like the big hitters, like they were just so associated with Xbox, and whether that was because they were shown off at the Xbox conference, or they had exclusive DLC, or even like I mean, like obviously I know all the Rockstar games were on were on PS3, but a lot of those games from that generation for Rockstar, I do think of as 360 games primarily. Um, apart from like maybe there's a couple where I'm like, does is LA Noir more of a PS3 game? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did have it on PS3, and it ran, you know, perfectly fine. Yeah. But it's, but a couple of Rockstar games did miss PS3, like Rockstar Table Tennis, the best Rockstar game, of course, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you ask, like, um, about a hundred contrarians on the internet um, in various <laughs> message boards, um, and also Bully Scholarship Edition, the very nice and enhanced 360 version they did for that, which is the one you can play on Xbox One and yeah. uh, Series X. That's now wasn't on PS3, so. You know, there's a there's an argument there that they, they had more presence on 360. You know? Yeah, it's it's very hard to pin down, but there's a certain games have the feel of one console or the other. Like for whatever reason, Mirror's Edge feels more PlayStation. No, I don't think so. What? You don't think so? <laughs> no, I think it did have like maybe some kind of exclusive DLC map or something like that. But oh, I just but I just think like even the like the visual style of that game, it's a bit more like Arch and unknowable, and that to me is very PS3. 
Well, to me, it comes. Uh, to me, it more comes down to a country. <laughs> just, of... I loved how you just disagreed completely. I was like, no, no. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't even engage you on this. No, uh... no, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm, I sh- that's not what I'm saying. I, I think that's a perfectly fair argument to make. But I think the games where I thought PS3 profile Japanese games, basically, like I think that oh, yeah. for for the most part, not in all cases, because Bayonetta had a famously terrible uh, version on PS3, but. I think that, you know, when it came to things like RPGs, like Final Fantasy Thirteen is firmly a PS3 game, you know, mm. even though the 360 of that version of that is now arguably the best version on Xbox, um, you know, because of backwards compatibility. But certainly the history of Final Fantasy, or like Death May Cry 4, for example, those kind of games in my head slot into ps3 sort of games but not right. dmc see it's arbitrary do you know what i mean it's like it's no there's no science behind it it's just gut feel pure gut that's feel, it well so. that's what i'm saying is when i look at her from mirror's edge something in my head goes ps3 <laughs> uh does it go ps3 slim or ps fat ps3 with spider-man 3 font, it, it goes the it goes fat ps3 with like the gloss it has to have that it like reflects like the skyscrapers in mirror's edge yeah, as long as no one's put their fingers on it and, st- and smudged it with fingerprints, basically. Faith which is, is more likely to have a level where she's climbing up a PS3 than a level where she's climbing up a 360. I mean, that is a really good observation. See, that is the kind of, like, not quite science, but, like, interesting <laughs> gut feel that I can get on board with. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, absolute okay. bullshit. Definitely, yeah. So it's going to be a weird one. At trying to justify... <laughs> the few multi-platform games that we do put into our list of 10 games each i also do firmly want to resurrect the idea that we're building mini consoles here matthew because i think that's more interesting with the ps3 that that stimulates me more as an idea than it did with 360 where it was just too massive for me to even think about there being like 10 consoles that represent what that you know 10 games that represent what that console is on ps3 it's pretty doable yeah (laughs) also this console feels locked away in ways that the 360 doesn't so you know, yeah. I would actually like probably buy a PS3 Mini if you released it with the right games. Yeah, I can't think of a, an electronic product that's less likely to come out than a PS3 Mini. Like uh, this feels like something that Sony would not necessarily rather forget because a lot of these games are accessible via cloud streaming or whatever. If you if that's your sort of thing, but there's also like you know a lot of the best stuff has been salvaged onto ps4 as mm. well that's the interesting thing so a lot of like them you know the best games have shiny versions but not all of them like yeah. you suggest there matthew yeah they should release a more expensive ps3 mini which has a few ps2 games on it and then a few months later release a version which doesn't have the ps2 version games on it <laughs> Yeah, the 40 gigabyte model downgrade um, <laughs> edition. Yeah, very good, Matthew. Um, how is you? How are you getting on with your old Sega, Sega Mega Drive Mini 2, by the way? Is that treating you well in 2023? It loves its home inside the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be tempted to buy that off you, but I think if you sold that on eBay, you'd get like 200 quid for it. I will it. play it eventually. Are we? Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, the really good. shocking Looking... one is the um, I bought an Amiga Mini, which I hasn't got much use either. Yeah, I, I keep just... looking... Yeah, they got me on the nostalgia thing. Like I saw it, and I I was suddenly whisked back to playing, you know, Monkey Island or whatever in in my bedroom as a twelve year old. And then I got the box, and then looked at it and thought, do I want to plug it in? Probably. Yeah. Flashing back to the boys across the river and the tragic day where one of them drowned. No, Bobby, don't go in that river. And then like just (laughs) yeah, very strange (laughs) decision, of course. Yeah, it's just a running joke of mine that you've repressed the memories of a boy drowning. It'll turn out that you did it or something, like uh, the end of an anthology episode. Uh, oh my uh, god, with 30 minutes in. That's where we go in. true crime. 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be a good pivot for us, I think, in 2024. Um, Gaming-related crimes. Well, that's, that's what Games Court is, isn't it, to be honest? So we've, yeah. kind, of already, we've kind of already done that. We should probably and pivot out of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what the listeners think. There's no future in that. No, the listeners fucking love Games Court. It's us who don't like Games Court. Everyone else is having a great time. Okay, then. So, Matthew, uh, to get into our pre-agreed episode plan, yeah. um, finally, 13 minutes in, um, although I think there was some good sort of nourishing uh, yeah. nourishing chat in, in, in amidst that um, to review my own podcast yet again. So, at a moment of big change in our living rooms, the arrival of HDTVs, the moment before internet TV really existed and when physical media was in flux, the PS3 tried to be the centre of our living rooms. Why was that pitch doomed and... Why is it always doomed as a video games console proposition? Because the Xbox One would follow a similar playbook. Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, for people more generally, I wonder if 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 people struggle to uncouple the idea of a games console and how frivolous they maybe find a games console from the other uses the machine has that might speak to them. Like the idea that my parents would ever buy a games console as a Blu-ray player is completely daft. And at the other end of the scale, I think if you are super, you know, if, if if you put all that aside, I don't know. I just think if you were really invested, if you really care about this stuff, you probably still buy the individual technologies that give you each of those experiences the best, rather than settle for a thing which is kind of fine in the middle. Is is my guess? Yeah, I think that that is interesting. That yeah, I think that at that time in particular as well, people weren't necessarily we weren't in the smartphone era, so it's before the era where one device kind of did everything. Obviously, now you have streaming services built into your TV and all mm. that, and maybe maybe even you know game streaming in the case of Xbox on some some TVs as well. So you know certainly. It was a different era and you did have more devices for your various stuff. Um, so perhaps it was against the grain there. What really surprised me about the PS3 pitch, right, is I was watching the E3 2005 uh, conference today. I mean, so dry and not very interesting. And much <laughs> had much more the intre- much more the tone, actually, of um, like a GDC talk. It was about raw technical stuff, but without even the, the colour that, you know, you would get from a GDC talk of someone trying to make it sound They didn't, they didn't even bring out colourful Mark Cerny to talk about. <laughs> well, no, Mark Cerny is like, but he, you know, we are talking about like, you know, PowerPoint slides with, you know, just with graphs on them and that sort of stuff of mm. like it was what, but what struck me is I always thought the pitch of the PS3 was, you know, it's um, this is the future of home entertainment, and you know, it's games console, it's a Blu-ray player, it's all this other stuff, and that was part of the pitch of it. But I forgot that their whole thing with the cell processor was that it was like we're changing the way computing is going to work, and this thing <laughs> is so powerful it can do X, Y, and Z, and it's like. And that that was I'd forgotten about that part of the pitch, and I was watching this um this yeah quite boring E3 conference where Phil Harrison was showing off all of these leaves and how they're the the sound can it be individually simulated because of the cell processor or something like that. Then there was a bit where ever so slightly cursed looking Alfred Molina recreated from Spider Man Two was uh was on screen again like brought to life by you know the technology behind the PS3 and this sort of stuff and. I think they really did think that it was like this thing's going to change the world and games cut this this is where it starts and mm. then soon this will be kind of everywhere. I think that was like actually a little bit of the mentality behind the PS3 and how, I, yeah. How was the Molina? Uh he was he was not too bad. Like he was he, he didn't even really look as good as he would look in PS3 cutscenes at that time. He's, oh, he was okay. 
He was fine. Um, uh, yeah, he wasn't like... Uh, there's a funny bit where Phil Harrison goes, uh, sadly, Alfred's not able to join us on stage today, but we can show you what it would look like if he was here. And then they showed the simulation, <laughs> but in the room they're in with the same lighting and stuff. And I was like, this is so of its time. Do you remember um, when they yeah. showed off that PS5? They did that showcase during lockdown. It was like the big, this is what PS5's all about. And there yeah. was all that speculation that all the people were were rendered by PS5. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they all Herman had a Holt. slightly otherworldly air to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was uh, that was odd. But they, they at least talked about the specs and stuff at GDC, which was the right setting mm. for it. What's weird about this is that their pitch is like... This is around the era, we talked about this before, where E3 transitions from becoming like a business show to something like resembling entertainment and, you know, something public facing. And this is right on the cusp of that. And it is not a public facing presentation. It's so sort of like dry and corporate. And then the 2006 one, which had the famous um, giant um, crabs uh, sort of meme and also the uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, sort of like trailer with Old Snake and all that stuff and you know like it was that was the proper sort of like what you will have in your homes pitch that was again quite dry and had the um the big like shocker of how expensive it was 599 in North America which was astronomical at the time that is a little bit better but again like E3 conferences would change so much over the years and by the time you get to the end of that decade they would become like you know pro- you know they they're trying to be entertaining they're getting like their fake exec Kevin Butler who we've litigated on this podcast before <laughs> um to try and sell the games and stuff and it's funny because i think the entire journey of the PS3 is about pivoting from that initial pitch of it's the everything machine to it's a goddamn games console, please buy it. And I think that's the kind of journey that it goes on. I think it does get there, but it has a lot of growing pains along the way. Do you think that's a kind of fair assessment, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, and definitely the end destination. You know, basically everyone realises that just going, we like games, gets you so much goodwill that you basically, you basically win every time. Exactly, yeah. And now no one would ever pitch another games console any other way because... You know, we, we've been able to see very publicly how this has failed twice as a pitch. And so it's not going to happen again. Or if it does happen, it'll be because someone had too good a generation and then thought we can do everything. So this will mm. be the this will be the machine. This will be the metaverse machine or whatever. And it just I, never rings true. Uh, one funny thing, I did turn on a PS3 today this afternoon. Um, just to have a look at its menu and stuff because I'd kind of forgotten what it was. Actually, its menu is what I remembered the PS4 menu being. So I was kind of a completely a generation out. But this idea of it being an everything machine, and then the fact that you turn it on and it plays like a bit of violins warming up, and then <laughs> shows you like loads of mystical particles and like a weird wave on screen. Like it's a very strange, <laughs> mysterious machine for something which is meant to be this all-encompassing experience i've forgotten how odd it was it's quite beautiful but it's odd (laughs) it is yeah but the thing i try and keep in mind with the ps3 is even though it was like a strange multimedia pitch right and like an extravagant electronic item apple has sold like more extravagant nonsense than this like having a smartwatch is more is more nonsensical than the ps3 i think as a pitch like it's and people buy it anyway because it's all about marketing but the year different, the time difference, like when Apple Watch becomes a thing, right. people are like ready for bullshit and ready to be <laughs> rinsed. Like we'd already at that point become the generation that would spend 400 quid every year on a phone, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yes, it, 
yeah, it's it, it yeah, it's it's interesting anyway, just to to kind of look back on it and just mm. how, how how it just wasn't the right thing for the moment. As I said on that three C three sixty episode, it felt like the PS three was a pitch that could not be it could not be compromised for that moment. That Sony just would not compromise it and and it totally engage with what the consumers wanted until they got deeper into the generation. Whereas a three sixty was the exact right console for the moment in terms of its usability how easy it was to develop for the games they had from the off like it was just you know it was a a absolute clear victory in the first part of that generation for sure so matthew to get more into uh, our relationship with the playstation 3 like um what what was your sort of journey with this console because i know you got one a little bit later and how do you think the ps3 is remembered now in retrospect I mean, a lot of how it's remembered now is coloured by how we talk about it on this podcast, which is this slightly sort of weird disaster machine that somehow, like, outsold the 360. Um, At the time, I mean, a lot of my experience at the time was coloured by working at Future and 360, but having won, you know, the hearts and minds of that group of people. Uh, You know, like, the fact that all the... Well, not all of them, but most of the PSM three boys were playing 360 in the evening. Was just an indicator to me of like, well, you know, PS three is literally just their job. It's not their passion. I imagine that's the same for everyone. Like, I didn't get one just because it didn't have any kind of cred in the office. Um, I only got one when the cred it finally broke through, which was Uncharted two. You know, I remember just seeing that and going, I just have to have a console to play that. I know, I did not own many ps3 games in my time of owning it i had a i got a ps3 slim for for christmas it's the last console i got for christmas i think um which is always a treat especially when you're like fucking 27 or however old i was 26 25 yeah getting that is like you're like this is awesome but also you're like i'm like it's so it's so dumb that i've asked for this from grown-ups um (laughs) uh and oh the mad thing that it didn't come with the uh, the right cable. It didn't come with an HDMI cable. Oh right, is that true? Yeah, that generation didn't. You had to buy it separately. It always came with one of those fucking mad oh. splitter cables. It's the worst thing about this generation. Is that you are right? Yeah, I then had to go and buy one from like fucking you know Curry's or PC World. Like you know when it was open on Boxing Day, had to go in to <laughs> buy a fucking cable so I could actually see my game in more than four four eighty. Um, yeah, these are the bad. days as well when they would rinse you for a HDMI cable oh. with like gold plating. It was <laughs> gold like twenty five quid, motherfuckers. That was like everywhere. Yeah. But honestly, the best thing that ever happened to games is the next generation when they were like, it comes with an HDMI cable, and you're like, <laughs> that's better than anything else about this machine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, I got it, and I, I loved the few exclusives that I played on it. Um, you know, it was pretty much just a naughty dog machine for me and Metal Gear Solid 4 and I played GTA 5 on there I can't remember why did it maybe run slightly better on PS3 uh I don't think so I think no? it was about about the same on both I think basically by that well, point yeah. for whatever reason that happened um <laughs> yeah so uh you know that that's why like in, in genuinely you know and it may be anecdotal but in in my world it, it wasn't a big thing and that's why I always find that sales figure like absolutely baffling. I'm like, that just does not reflect the reality of definitely, you know, Bath in, in, in 2010. <laughs> no, nor Bournemouth, you know, because yeah. obviously that's where I was covering this. And I had just started in games media on 
March 26th. I think that was the week that the 2007, which was the week the PS3 launched in Europe. So, you know, that very start of the generation, like I think God of War 2 was in the previous issue to the one I worked on. So that that very much seemed like the end of the PS2 generation. And then the PS3 generation was here. Uh, One of those big what if scenarios in my head is what if they just put God of War 2 on that console as a launch game? Like what a difference that might have made from day one. But that hey you know um i suppose it was probably a lot cheaper and faster to develop it for ps2 so fair enough and it's a it's a stone cold classic as we discussed before mm. but um yeah so it was it was weird because it did actually seem pretty impressive at first because it came with motorstorm and resistance fall of man which were two pretty impressive uh, titles motorstorm particularly on the visual side looked really really fucking good when you saw the mud trails and monument valley left behind by all of these like you know big wheel the cars and uh lorries and jeeps and shit um and crashing into each other and all this lovely damage going on just a really fun arcade kind of style racer and like uh it was the first it was a game i played when i was um i had my first interview on play magazine and i just couldn't believe how nice it looked and so i was i was pretty smitten with it and it did sell well at first because it launched in Europe, and I think at the time it was the best uh, best selling console launch ever. But then sales died almost immediately, and <laughs> they struggled to find momentum with it until they started paring down the hardware, stripping bits out of it, so they could sell it a bit more cheaply. And it went from this device that was like four two five to something you could get like three hundred quid plus. I think it was like maybe three fifty for a while, then a little bit cheaper than that by the time you got one, probably. So yeah, maybe it was two nine nine by the time you got one, Matthew, around that sort of like I don't range. No, I didn't. I, d- I thought it would be gauche to ask Father Christmas. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, and it was a it was a weird one, and it went it it had such a like a, such a tough start because I think one of the big things about PlayStation that people might not agree with, but I personally think it takes until this generation. It happens during this generation that they actually get really good at internal games development. And, like, you can look at back at PS2 and PS1 and you can say that, you know, Santa Monica making God of War, uh, although that was a little bit later in the PS2 generation, or, like, um, obviously the Gran Turismo series, that these were, like, you know, these were really good first-party games, and they were. But, generally speaking, it was like it, it was like this generation is the time where it became okay, all of your internal developers have to be making the hottest shit, the most amazing stuff in order to get ahead. And if you're not, you're going to be behind. And it felt like Microsoft set the pace on that and then Sony couldn't quite keep up in those early years and that the stuff that Mm. they had was maybe underpowered in a way that would have been fine during the ps2 generation where there were plenty of like i don't know games like primal or ghost ghost hunter which were like you know they were or dropship which were fine they were fine ps2 games but they weren't they didn't need to sell the console because gta 3 would sell the console so they were just they were just sort of there you could go and buy them and play them but here it was like we need games like Lair and heavenly sword and haze to sell this console in the early part of this cycle and it just it felt like that ball game just changed quite quickly and then it suddenly seemed like that was actually the beating heart of like what was selling these consoles like do you think that's a fair assessment matthew do you think this stuff we we just thought less about what sony and microsoft were making internally during the ps2 generation and it just seemed to matter more when it got to this era yeah yeah i Uh, i don't it's tricky because like being a nintendo guy where like first party game is like the only game in town Mm. So it's 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 kind of tricky to unpick. I I definitely sort of see where you're coming from. Like in my head, the narrative was actually like 
they made loads of good first party games on PS2, but actually maybe that isn't true. And maybe things yeah, only find their feet a little bit later on PS3. I still think PS3, like a lot of their first party stuff outside of Naughty Dog, really doesn't do it for me. It feels a little like old hat or old fashioned and almost it's where this this now current obsession where like everyone basically makes Naughty Dog games for Sony kind of comes from like just a formula that's so successful and so winning that 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 just becomes the thing that they do now like over the shoulder third person action games but i don't know i in truth i probably wasn't keeping a close enough eye on you know the individual ups and downs to make that call well i think that it was it was like there were you know there were the core genres at the time that would sell hardware were like you know racing games and first person shooters right and so it made and sense I, I that Sony open world games. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because obviously on Xbox they had Halo, which was the seller of that Xbox generation. Yeah. Halo Halo got people to buy Xboxes and then you had them you had like Lionhead and you had Forza spinning up and Project Gotham. So, you know, they had all this stuff like they had a pretty robust first mm. party lineup before you got to the 360 era. Uh, yeah, so and and so Sony were kind of it felt like Sony were keeping up with that. Like they had, you know, they'd already had Gran Turismo, obviously, but they had like um, Motorstorm here. Resistance was very much like we need we need another alternative to Halo that's not just Killzone, but we're going to have both. We're going to have like you know Killzone and Resistance alternating to try and mm. like get us some first person sort of like credibility. So there was that that sort of happening as well. Um, they didn't have open world games, really. That was like definitely a PS4 era concern. And indeed, they were completely retool um, Guerrilla Games to be able to make open world games. It became a completely different studio with a completely different discipline, basically. So, mm. yeah, it's weird. It's just, um, yeah, so I actually, I felt like the PS3 actually is an inverse, I think, to the 360 in some ways, Matthew. I think it gets stronger as it goes, whereas I think the 360 becomes so distracted by Connect and that whole mm. Don Matrick business that they all of their best games are kind of front-loaded in that generation, with a couple of exceptions. Whereas here, the PS3 is sort of kicking until the end, and you actually get past 2010, and there's still good stuff coming out. Mm. Do you think that's kind of fair as an assessment? Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. You know, there's definitely a kind of cockiness to the late years of 360. It's like, when you've nailed the basics so completely, you're like, well, how do we move on? How do we, how do we break into the the new casual audience and then actually in doing so you lose sight of the people and they don't remain loyal is the tragedy but you know that's happened a million times before absolutely so matthew was the ps3 good and <laughs> what was your overriding impression of the library and planning for this episode i think it's got some absolutely amazing peaks but i would say on the whole i don't think it was that good I, it's it's far from an all-timer in the way that I think the 360 is. Most of the games it had, the 360 did better. And of its exclusives, there's only a very small handful that I'm genuinely bothered about. So, uh, no. <laughs> okay, there's a man who's never played um, uh, Bioshock Infinite with the PlayStation Move controllers. What a philistine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, I think I have more affection for it than that. But um, that was another question I was going to ask you, though, really, was... Do you think we have something in our hearts that likes the underdog, Matthew? Is, <laughs> yeah, it, right. is, is it hard not to like kind of fail consoles, basically? Like we did our Wii U Hall of Fame, and I, I don't think yeah. any of us, I don't think any of us lied about like I don't think we ever we pretended, <laughs> we pretended it was an all timer console, but, but it, there's something yeah. about it, you know. This, but this, the PS3 doesn't even have the audacity to be a fail console, <laughs> right? Like it, it is well. a success. It's more successful than the 360. 
the, yeah. which is more of a fail console, just going on the numbers. Um, no, like, uh, yeah, it's just like it's just such an unknown success in my eyes. I don't <laughs> know you've ex- you've explained it very well, but I'm I'm just going to re- keep repeating that I don't get it. Um, where the Wii U is like. It's just such a fucking car crash, and it's so weird, and it takes so many big swings. And it happens, it's over so quickly as well. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'd feel differently, like, if I'd been working on, you know, a PlayStation magazine, and had to deal with the idiosyncrasies of that machine a bit more close up. You know, yeah. like, I never did home or anything like that, and, <laughs> like, maybe there's some, like... It's some sort of demented energy to that, which <laughs> which puts it in the similar Wii U territory. But I don't know. To my eyes, it was just uh, it's just sort of, it was sort of fine. Like I was, I'd hope for a machine which was a bit more like its interface. You know, a bit more sort of strange and wispy and unknowable. But um, it's mm. actually like quite well behaved. There's nothing too shocking about it. Like its library, I was kind of like. Outside of the multi, you know, I basically put aside the multi-format stuff, and I was like, "This isn't that interesting a library." Yeah. Um, you know, a few oddities from like Japan Studios aside, which is like, you know, aside, which is aside of, of of the company, which has been sort of strangled and now kind of removed entirely, which is a shame. But yeah, it's not that zany. No, I think there's like there are some. There are some, like, hidden treats in there, for sure, particularly on, like, the PSN side and slightly oddball uh, Japanese side as well. Um, I think that does exist, but I don't necessarily think it adds up to that much. And I think that when it comes to the big hitters, they are pretty self-evident what they are. Um, Mm. And then a few interesting things happen alongside that. But I don't want you to mistake me for thinking this console is, like, amazing. I think it's, like, flawed and interesting. That's what it is. It's it's flawed and interesting. And it's, like, it's not a failure. It's only a failure in the context of, like, PlayStation, which is such an incredibly successful brand, you know. And so... It's just, it's the only blip for them, really, unless you count the, um, you know, obviously the PS Vita as well. But certainly on the home console front, they have smashed it out of the park every single time. This Mm. is the one time they didn't. And so it's just an it's just endlessly interesting to me to dissect why that was and what the the successes and failures were, you know. I think you've thought about this console a lot more than I have. Like, I've, I've got very much a punter's relationship with it. And, you know, I hadn't really thought too much about it in any great detail until like literally last night where i played a very cursed selection of games <laughs> streaming through my ps5 because i <laughs> don't have a ps3 to test out so you know when you find yourself at uh, 10 p.m on a on a monday night playing uh five minutes of a streamed version of trash panic and you're like, <laughs> What is going on in my life? <laughs> is this worth it? Do I need to close this whole podcast down? What is that game about? <laughs> I've not played that one, actually. But it's, it's like Tetris, except you're just smashing a load of shit up in a bin. I just didn't get it. Like, it literally seems to... You scored by, like, smashing light bulbs, and so everything was just turning into, like, a mess of kind of particle physics at the bottom of this bin. I was like, do I... I just don't understand this. It's I was, kind of up there yeah. with that baffling playstation fireworks game is just puzzlers <laughs> i will never truly understand oh well fantavision <laughs> yeah oh fair enough uh yeah so did that get uh, like a vr version or something? yeah i played yeah. that recently on psvr2 and okay. was like because i thought all oh, fireworks that'd be exciting and uh it's not well actually i think that if you um if you look at the ps2 launch lineup that backs up my point about how internal development was not 
you know the forefront of that generation because that is like a and kind of an all-timer weak lineup it's interesting games in there but they are like you know there's not a halo in there and you know i think halo being a launch title definitely changes the game on that front a little bit so they have to have have halo did it have kesson (laughs) <laughs> I think it it might have done. It maybe had like the first Tekken Tag tournament, and there was, I, there was I definitely a stern general looking out from one of those boxes. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, maybe original time splitters might have been a launch title, launch era anyway. I can't remember mm. the PS2. We're not talking about PS2 anyway. But no. I suppose like yeah, to me though, you know, covering it at the time, what I found fascinating about it was how unlovable it was because. The PS2 to me seemed incredibly easy to love. It just had such a vast array of titles. It had that lovely, relaxing, like blue light spinning around your screen, you know, the browser screen and all that stuff. Right. And your little your little memory card icons that would um, be animated and change when they're deleted. And, you know, it just had like a bit of personality, a lot of Sony call to it and that sort of thing. It didn't think too much of itself. It was also, you know, a great DVD player. It was just like a a real like a great companion over the years with hmm. so much amazing stuff the ps3 it felt arrogant like the x and b and like the, like you say the what might come across as sort of like you know a bit of, a bit sort of like odd and um strange it felt like oh well we've made something really special here and it's not wrong to have that pride in it really it's not that different from the ps5 experience turning that on it feels like you've got a premium thing when you're using the ps5 it's the um, lydia tar of interfaces <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's just quite. It's just quite cold. Those little like uh, ticks that it does, and it's just it, basically the PS4 is like the warmer version of that PS3 interface. That's what they did. They just like warmed it up a little bit, made it a bit more personality led, a bit bit softer, a bit kinder, I guess. And so, mm. but Matthew, like with that in mind, like the fact that I didn't think it was that lovable, I wanted to catalogue some of its blunders before <laughs> oh, yeah, we um, get to the draft. So. I've got like a list of uh, wrongs and rights here. Um, I'll be honest, the wrongs list is is longer than the rights one by quite some distance. (laughs) Um, Just stop me if you want to discuss any of this, Matthew. Um, The pricing, very expensive, of course. Although by today's standards, actually doesn't seem that bad. 425 launched here. 599 in America, though, was where it was like a a killer killer price. But this is obviously in the... um, uh, pre-Brexit days, when uh, b- before we decided to um, crash our currency on purpose, but you know what can you do? Um, what about f- five ninety nine if it launched alongside Uncharted two? <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's a, that is the question, isn't it? Like if it, or like or indeed like God of War two, does that make the a right, difference? The right game would make would that be enough for you to go? I have to play that. I think the I think it just at that time it just had to be a bit less. And I think now mm. people are more accustomed to paying over the odds for their electronics, you know what I mean? And just having, like you say, fancy phones and that sort of stuff. Mm. So I think we become more acclimatized. Five nine nine though, that was just too bitter a pill to swallow at the time. Um the fact it was hard to develop for, this is more like anecdotal, but a lot of people complained about it. I think Valve even famously complained about the PS3 architecture and like how it was just quite difficult to make games for, and then they would they did eventually kind of like crack it. Valve they obviously supported um, Portal Two. Um, you could play that on PS3 with someone playing on PC. That was like a whole thing. I wonder if anyone actually did that. Um, they launched uh, the console without vibration in the controllers, which was a terrible decision. Really? So, yep, they had to like they added it later. Um, there was something like they'd lost a patent for it, or you had to pay for it, or something like that. So oh there was God. some. So you just had these like very light feeling controllers with no rumble in them. Like what a bummer that was. So 
that fell off um six axis which is a motion control where as the name suggests it like basically can move in six different ways or something um and it was an obviously like them trying to like keep up with the wii and have some kind of motion control compatibility a really poor decision that was only really used well in about one or two games i'm sure they'll come up in this episode so that felt like a disaster they they even tried to like move on from that and just forget about it by the later part of the generation um the overload of hardware add-ons that no one wanted playstation tv although i quite like that one actually i used to record films onto my ps3's hard drive pretty decent ps move um their version of the um of like the connect basically where you had to have like a camera and two controllers and that was that was fucking gross that thing i had one of those it did, did work. It? It, it did work. That's the thing. It was like it did a, work, but like the faff of like the camera and the thi- like compared, yeah, yeah. compared Too to much. the all-in-one thing of like the all-in-one pitch of like you know of the of the connect. It wasn't. It was pretty weak source for sure. Wonder Book, which was like a book you abused your, with your camera and then it brought mm. stories to life or something. I don't know. PlayStation Eyes, obviously, it still had a camera. It's funny how cameras aren't really part of the equation with games as much now, unless you're like Good. obviously streaming. <laughs> yeah, same. SingStar, which they forced into the XMB, you had to look at the fucking SingStar button in your games tab, even if you never played SingStar. <laughs> Te- terrible decision. That might have been Europe only, that, but terrible. <laughs> Trophies arriving long after launch because they knew they needed something to compete with achievements, but it was late by the time it arrived. That was dumb. The loss of GTA exclusivity, if they'd have secured that, they would have won the generation. There were rumours that they could have done that and then failed to do so on the Japan side. That was a rumour. I don't know if that's true or not, but... The early punts on games that did not bear fruit, so Lair, Hayes, Heavenly Sword, although I have some affection for one of those, which may come up later in this episode. Getting rid of HD output PS2 games um, compatibility just to save production costs. This is the an absolute dream machine for playing PS2 games because it would play them at 1080p. They looked fantastic, and then they got rid of it to make the PS3 cheaper. An absolute tragedy, and there's mm. never been another way to play PS2 games, that many PS2 games in HD. What a shame. Um, and if you did want to pa- copy saves from past generations to the console, you needed some kind of adapter that plugged into your memory card. Absolute nightmare. I borrowed one from Sony, but I don't think they ever sold them here. Um, PlayStation Home, their second life thing, just not good. Although some people have been trying to resurrect it, I read recently. That, I don't want anything to do with that oh, shit. Oh, no. The poor online experience versus how smooth it is now on PS5. Famously, they didn't charge for um, uh, online play like Microsoft did, but they, maybe they should have done because when they did on PS4, it got a lot better. So, um, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, the onslaught of awful updates now you had to boot the games to even download them. There was this, These are the days before they just like automatically download updates for you and then install them. So PS3 was way worse than the 360 for this. Um, there were games that needed tens of gigabytes just to run on PS3 when they didn't need jack shit to run on 360 because obviously <laughs> that console didn't require a hard drive. It was an optional thing. Did so give you just... us the incredible installation screens for Metal Gear Solid though. That's true. You know, that is the only good result from that, I would say. <laughs> Just today, actually, when I um, I booted up a couple of games, you had to, like, wait for the game to start, and then in the middle of the game, there would be an install screen. And then it would have to update the game from inside the game again with all the stuff they'd added post-launch. And I was like, fuck, this is so bad. Awful. Oh, so those are, the, those are the blunders, Matthew. They are not... Uh, it's not an insubstantial list. So, yeah. Uh, any, any more thoughts on those? Yeah, I mean... it. It's going to take some some real pros to balance that lot out. What have you got? <laughs> what I did right. Okay. Um, Naughty Dog are the clear champions of the generation. They are the developers who, you know, made these sort of platforming icons that helped to sell the PlayStation. Whether you consider them icons or not, that's up to you, uh, Matthew. But Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, people did buy 
PlayStation consoles to play those games. And um, I think they were like um, pretty competent and technically up there for what PlayStation uh, games were capable of at the time. So they were significant. But when you get to the PS PS3 generation, they transition into kind of like adult blockbuster storytelling, basically, um, out of the sort of like more kiddie mascot territory. Um, certainly building on some of their strengths, but, you know, doing these high-end cutscenes and amazing set pieces and extraordinary graphics. And it was like a level of it was like a the studio kind of maturing to something else i guess and it just it just crowned them as champions to me you know do you think they could ever go back or once you've rendered a person stabbing a dog to death can you not make a jack and daxter ever again <laughs> well i feel like they just didn't have the appetite for it and it feels like the if the superficially the arc it seems to be we went from making kiddie games to the most grim adult games and that was maybe a reflection of their sensibilities evolving over time and maybe they don't have the capacity for something really wacky and fun like that now maybe they are the last of us studio and that's it i certainly would would hope they could go back to making something as like light on its feet as uncharted you know um just mm. like because because uh you know even with uncharted 4 they're able to scratch that edge incredibly well and there's still an appetite for you know the the kind of like the quip happy sort of like third person shooters and stuff but the way that they did that in uncharted was so influential in terms of like video game storytelling and how you know how blockbuster games would evolve from this point so you know whatever else happens on ps3 they kind of come of age right matthew they are Mm -hmm. you know they are a significant part of this so yeah they did eventually start porting ps2 games to ps3 um and they did a really nice job of that they were better at this than Microsoft, I would say. They got more of their games on there, and some of them were really, um, some of them were really, really nice. We will reflect that in the draft, as we'll discuss shortly. It was still the de facto home of Japanese games. It was still where you know, m- like pretty much all of them launched. Pretty much, well, there's some exceptions. Like Dead Rising was only on, um, and uh, Dead Rising was only on 360. There was a very bad port of Lost Planet on PS3, but generally speaking, you still got. Japanese publishers putting their stuff on this console, so it was key in that respect. Mm-hmm. It still ran PS1 games no matter which version of the console you had. I always thought that was a cool little benefit of the um, the PS3. Just put in your old disc, it would at least play those, even if it wouldn't play PS2, which was more enticing. If you were in Europe, it was an easy it was easy to access PS1 treats that never released here. You know, you could get a US PSN account, go buy Parasite Eve or Xenogears or Shin Megami Tensei games or whatever you want, fill your boots. They were it was easy enough to do that, which I thought was a cool thing, even if it was not um, technically supported by Sony. And the PSN games were genuinely distinctive. I discussed this on the 360 episode, but XBLA versus PSN, like it was, that was a battleground for a while. It was about mm. getting cool digital games out there. So there's yeah, some some definite pros in there, Matthew, but many flaws. Any thoughts on the pros? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't actually know that about the um, PS1 games playing, no matter what. So, that's news to me. Okay, yeah, cool. All right, so... Sorry, we were hoping I was going to talk for longer so you could have a nice drink. Yeah, I was having, <laughs> having a nice little sw- swig there from my uh, pint of water. for at least 30 seconds. I've it, given it... him loads to think about that, but no. He throws it back in my face and just goes, hmm, PS1 games, that sounds nice. <laughs> I was there thinking, I've been talking for six minutes. Matthew might like a chance to talk. And it's like, nope, he's good. So like, I'm good, dog, let's move on. Um, 
Yeah, okay. So, uh, I mean, the difference is, Matthew, you've been at work today and I've been off. So I've just been like sat here pondering this shit all day. So um, I'm just bursting with energy and you are a husk of a man. So it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, okay, last question, Matthew, before we get to the draft, because I want to leave plenty of time for it so we can discuss our games in detail. <laughs> is there any argument that what happens during the PS3 generation in terms of games sets up Sony for the generation to come on PS4 where they do thrive and Microsoft falls behind? Oh. Uh... I mean, only in terms of, like, shame, you know, and wanting to avoid that shame again. You know, failure is a great motivator, I guess. But it's not failure, but uh, an artistic failure. Uh, not really. Like, because, I, I, you know, P- PS4, I think, is a great machine, ends up having, like, an incredibly rich library, probably the best library of that generation. But I still think it takes a few years for that to find its first party fit. I don't think, like, there are... There are like, if we're just talking specifically about the games here, you know, I don't think the learnings from PS3 are there from the off. I think it takes them quite a long time for that generation to kick in. Maybe you disagree. I don't know. No, I think I, I think I do agree with that. I think the pain happens here, so they can course correct later. Yeah, I, I think but, I think yeah. the things with PS4, like in my mind, I know some people like Infamous and what Sucker Punch did with that, but like. Tsushima is a it feels like a big step up and finally feels more like next gen from them in a way that like Infamous has always felt like a very shiny kind of PS2 game in its like philosophy it's not that dissimilar to your you know Spider-Man 2s on PS2 or your Hulk Ultimate Destructions you know there's there's a there's a fundamental like crudeness to it which they finally shake off in PS4 and I think a lot of studios go through that they kind of get over the kind of hang-ups of those earlier those earlier genres and I think PS3 like is kind of a weird muddle ground it's got a lot of shiny shiny versions of PS2 ideas yeah I think I don't know if I agree about Infamous as such because you kind of like you know really what is that different between you know infamous connects to modern spider-man games as well like they're just they're just open world superhero games basically like that is a genre that you know definitely kicks off on ps2 but it's you know crack crackdown is of the same ilk you know i think crackdown is better than infamous but you know the first infamous was was quite rough the second one was a, a lot better uh, the one on PS4 looked really nice, but I don't know. I suppose I I, I do agree that there is like a, a seeming like maturing of these studios for them to make this. They go from making stuff that feels like quite, I, I guess, like slightly rougher blockbusters to mega polished, take years yeah. blockbusters. And that happens to everyone. Like Insomniac's journey in this generation is really interesting, Matthew, because they go from making ratchet and clank and first person shooters to what's the first game they make in the next generation it's sunset overdrive right so they see change coming and they make that and then sunset overdrive is you know arguably the jumping off point for the spider-man games too right so Mm. yeah i think everyone has that evolution moment and this generation's key in establishing who those big players are who changes uh you know who changes the stuff they make to sort of like get to, to, to progress and who doesn't or who fades away that sort of thing mm. so but that's the, I, yeah. I just think i think 360 gets gets to that evolution a little bit faster or people hit the ground running a bit more on 360 you know halo is is shinier and more cutting edge in halo 3 much faster than you know whatever its equivalents are on playstation yeah, you know, and like I say, it's held, it's stood the test of time in a way that these PS3 games haven't necessarily. Mm. So, yeah, okay. Well, on that slightly dour note, Matthew, shall we take a quick? <laughs> <laughs> shall we take a quick okay. break and <laughs> and come back with our uh, 
PS3 draft selections. Yeah, it'll be jollier, I promise. <laughs> Back to the podcast. So, this is the draft bit where we pick our 10 games each that represent the PlayStation 3's lifespan. We are building mini consoles as established that represent what this console was actually about in its run from 2006 to roughly uh, 2013 time, although the games keep coming out till um, 2016 and 17, I believe, Matthew. It was, uh, yeah, it kept going for quite a while there. So, yes. We have like, actually no, it's not 10 games, it's 11 games technically because I've added a bonus category, so I'll establish that shortly. But to explain the draft, me and Matthew will competitively pick the games that represent the PS3 over a series of genres. Once one game is picked by someone, the other person can't pick it. And then you will vote for the winner at Backpage Pod in the pinned tweet, assuming uh, the owner of Twitter doesn't change those fucking poll rules um, in the time before we, this episode goes live. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about the winner on a future episode. So it's a competitive draft over 11 categories. Uh, Matthew, is there anything you want to say about your selection process before we read these categories out? Uh, I'm going to be honest and say some of the games that I might pick, I don't <laughs> know if I'll get to pick them, uh, I haven't played, uh, but I feel like... I know, I know why they're important or that they should be on there. Uh, this isn't a very lived-in console for me. Uh, and I could have picked lots of multi-format stuff that I have played, but I've kind of tried to steer away for that for the reasons outlined earlier. I don't think they represent the PSD properly. So um, this, is, this may be one of my shakier drafts, kind of up there with the... Uh, PC nineties um, draft. You won that one though. Oh yeah, but you didn't play Tie Fighter, but you took yeah, it. Yeah, anyway. and you had yeah. to basically like explain <laughs> to everyone why Red Alert was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay because I think it's as long as one person has the expertise to explain the games, it's a nourishing podcast for the listener. If ni- neither of us know what the game is, we'll be fucked basically. So yeah, all I'm saying is if you're gonna pick, pick Trash Panic, Matthew, you better be fucking prepared to talk about it. That's I'm all I'm saying. Picking that tra- I'm not picking Trash Panic. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you enjoy the um, joke um, t- categories I put on uh, Twitter, Matthew? Um, I did. I saw some people were hoping that we're going to do those rather than the real categories. Should I read those out, actually, just for the people yeah. who might not have seen it because they're no longer on Twitter? Um, yeah, so I basically, category one, unfortunate six-axis controls. Two, resistance or kill zone. Three, <laughs> one of those six out of tens. Four, defunct online vehicular combat game. Five, runs better on 360. Six, cursed peripheral required. Seven, PSN game that only Samuel remembers. Eight, has a superior PS4 version now. Nine, platformer that Matthew hates. Ten, Tokyo Jungle or Metal Gear Solid 4. Guns of the Patriots. (laughs) So, some japes there. But um, we come to the real draft now, Matthew. So I'll just read out these categories. Don't worry, listeners. I'll go over them once more before we um, start the, the draft. Category 1, exclusive. So it's a game that doesn't have to have only come out on PS3, but has to have come out on PS3 before 360, basically. That's the criteria. Category 2, racing. People complained we didn't represent this genre very well in the 360 draft, which I think was actually quite fair. So here it is. A bit more of... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true, isn't it, Matthew? That's basically what Yeah, well, there's a reason we didn't represent it. It's because I know fuck all about it. So you're you're not going to get a very nourishing category from me. (laughs) I promise you that. 
Good stuff. Um, category three, Naughty Dog, so a game made by that studio, represent their amazing contributions to PS3's library. Category four, shooter or platformer. This kind of like allows us to pick one thing from a crop of uh, six or seven out of tens here to represent something on the PlayStation. We'll see what comes out of that. Category five, PSN game, so a download game, basically. Category six, ill-advised six-axis inclusion, a game that featured the six-axis motion controls in some capacity. And uh, ideally, we can talk about what that inclusion is in the podcast, but I'm not going to hold Matthew to that because, as established, he may not have played all the games he selected. Category seven, (laughs) RPG or action-adventure. Category eight, wild cards, so something a little bit odd and surprising or strange from the library. Category 9, free pick, so anything you like. Category 10 has a superior PS4 version now. Um, This is to represent the fact that many of the PS3's greatest hits have been uh, migrated over to PS4. Category 11, bonus category. HD collection. We wanted to represent something here of the cool ports of PS2 games that came to the PS3 because they definitely were a highlight of the... um, of the back catalogue. Not all of them were great, but some of them were really good. This is where Bluepoint start doing their thing. Bluepoint would become, obviously, a Sony studio um, down the line. So, um, yeah, so significant in the history of PlayStation, oh. I think, nonetheless. Okay, Matthew, any thoughts on those categories, or should we jump into it? Uh, no, I think they all make sense. Uh, one quick rule clarification, same as 360 Draft. Where do we stand on the orange box? Oh, uh, if you pick it for this draft, you are you are sowing the seeds of your own destruction because... The orange box was famously terrible on um, PlayStation 3. So you can pick it if you want to, but it didn't run very well. Um, uh, I wasn't going to. I just wanted to make sure because it's (laughs) a way of getting a load of games at once. It is, yeah. And I I don't actually know if they all run badly, but I know that uh, Half-Life 2 definitely did. So it was, yeah, it was famously not considered so good. Um, All right then. So uh, we've got to do the uh, select who goes first, Matthew. Do you want to do the old coin toss? Yeah. What would you like? Heads or tails? Uh, Heads. Tails. (gasps) Tails. <gasps> so Matthew, for the first time ever, gets to decide whether to go first or second and third. Should we explain that, Matthew, that the second yes. pick is... Um, yeah, so whoever goes first, uh, if Matthew wants to go first, he gets to pick one. If he goes second, um, he gets to pick two games, and then it goes back to picking one at a time, basically. That's just to balance it out, keep it fair. So which one are you going to do, Matthew? Uh, oh my god, it's stressful. <laughs> I yep. don't want to go first and then pick something like dog shit and everyone's like, oh, he's instantly biffed it. It's This is hard because I think there's like, there's only really five or six games that will probably swing the voting and then it's like a load of other stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's a tough one. I will... Oh, I'm not very good at the mind games because I always <laughs> think, you know, you're trying to like wound the other player, obviously, but... You are kind of, you've proven quite unwoundable in the past, or at least you play your cards so close to your chest, like I'd have no idea whether I've actually got under your skin, so it's kind of pointless doing it. Yeah, I think also you maybe think I think about this more than I do, so you probably think I have like a priority list of picks or something. I don't have that, I just have a load of games written next to each category and I'll pick one of them basically, that's pick one of them. That's how I roll. So, But also, that's... it's your turn to win a draft, so um, I think that the odds are in your favour, sir. Mm. <laughs> two and three feel like they could be super valuable but one also gets you if there's one game that maybe defined this era of playstation 3 <laughs> you get off the board straight away i'm gonna go first <gasps> for exclusive i'm going to take metal gear solid 4 fair enough 
this is uh, a, a game we joke about a lot on this podcast that it belongs to PS4. I feel like if you've got a PS4 mini console, it has to be on there. Um, while I sort of disagree philosophically with, with allowing this out of its prison of the original PS3, uh, <laughs> having it on a PS3 mini is, is okay. I can live with that. I don't think the weirdness of it's diminished. It's a game like I think it's okay. Um, I think it's quite an interesting stealth game for the first half with a quite a rich sandbox and then switches into just like the biggest sort of Kojima lore dump fan service in the second half. Those two things will speak differently to different people. But uh, just as a game of its time and a game which is definitively PS3, I think it's I think it's the, I think it's the solid first pick. Yeah. So, you know, I would have picked this in my batch of two if it was me i don't know if i would have picked it first though um interesting so yeah it's such an unwieldy game it's so like if you played it now i think you'd be surprised by how unpleasant it is um like in just just in terms of like how much it wastes your time with cutscenes and how the ratio of cutscenes to gameplay is just not really good enough because the bits of game that are in there in those first two chapters in particular are really good like um stealth sandboxes for you know for kojima productions uh sort of stealth action gameplay you have the going through a war zone thing and you know mm. there's loads there's way more npcs than there ever were in, in metal gear sort of three or two and so it does feel like you're going through like a, a war zone at times and and the camouflage mechanic is amazing like the technical execution of it yeah, like it looks amazing. I don't know if it works as well as the camouflage did in, P- no. in MGS3 for whatever reason. That might just be because you're not in the jungle environment anymore. But I do agree that that is um, that is yeah, definitely like to look at to see Snake take on the properties of the environments around him. That's really really cool. So that's good. And then it gets to the it's kind of falls off by the time you get to the third chapter. But there are some like a pretty amazing action sequences along the way um, to its uh, finale of uh, Snake and Ocelot beating the shit out of each other on top of a big boat yeah. or something it's got um, some good shit return to shadow moses that's amazing yeah, it is but there's just lots of little robots there now it's like you know you get that yeah, first yeah <laughs> you get that first whiff of it and then you're like oh yeah this is like it's cool to see the place but it's a shame it's not filled with like dudes to kill like in the original metal gear solid but yeah i don't know it's just yeah in a desperate attempt to win the draft i say <laughs> well i actually preferred fighting a lot of balls with hands <laughs> you know it's but your point is you know, you got to summarise what the PlayStation 3 did, what its whole deal was, and Metal Gear Solid 4 does that. And there's only, there's, it's not on other platforms yet. Um, but, yeah, yeah I'm the, I'd say the only downside with this is it maybe means more to this podcast than it does to most people. And, you know, its lack of other version or whatever maybe actually speaks to a slight irrelevance. It's like, it's just so, I mean, you know, it's been said, but MGS5 is the opposite of this, right? It's that it's all gameplay. Um, mm. And that's, and, it, and you know, it's and it's a more modern game as a result. This is like the dying days of when people would tolerate ridiculously long cutscenes. And this put that, this stretched that to its limit, arguably. Um, right, you know, right after like something like Bioshock came out where its story was entirely delivered, you know, without cutscenes, basically. So it was like, old thinking um in games and then it just sort of like there's there's nothing really like this again from kojima after this it's just you know Ooh. it's a com- it's a complete one-off and it is a very indulgent bit of fan service but i think it does sum up 
you know, it does sum up the PS3 so well because even though they did get it running on 360, apparently behind the scenes at um, Kojima Productions, it was running fine. They just didn't want to put the resources into porting it. So, uh, oh no, that was it. There was too many discs to put on 360 because of because uh, <laughs> they were on DVDs rather than Blu-rays. Right, but, yeah. right. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good pick, Matthew. I think it, you know, it would have been one of my first picks. So yeah, it's uh, okay. solid. Well, I'm 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 looking forward to a devastating one and two punch now for two <laughs> and three. Yeah, so, okay, so that first category is exclusive, isn't it? And if I've got something that's a bit daft or underpowered next to MGS4, people are just going to vote for you straight away. So let's just go with exclusive category one, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. So do I think this is the best Uncharted game on PlayStation 3? Not really after replaying them several times in recent years, but do I think it's got the best peaks of Uncharted on PS3? Absolutely. So... At the time, there was just no no comparison to this. You had the first Uncharted, which was set in this this jungle, this kind of Indiana Jones riff with a wisecracking, um, handsome dude and um, his uh, sidekick with a cigar, older guy, and then the, the love interest who was like a journalist had been dragged along for the ride and it was a really fun riff on a you know a, a type of sort of adventure storyline that i think is always enjoyable when executed well and it was executed incredibly well with really nice cutscenes and motion capture fantastic like breakthrough performance from nolan north of course and that whole cast was fantastic and it really just set you know it just it just turned the dial up for what you could achieve in in games in a, in a cinematic way but certainly i think everyone would agree that the game falls off at a certain point or is a little bit more repetitive and but Uncharted 2 was them stepping up big time, like way more environments. It's a proper sort of like, you know, globetrotting adventure. There are way more characters. You start with this, um, at the start of the game, you have this kind of like a amazing hanging off a cliff in a train on the side of a mountain while Drake is like seriously injured. What the fuck happened here kind of thing. Then it flashes back and you have this awesome uh, sequence where you're breaking into a museum essentially. And this much wider universe of characters opens up and then it kind of like it's basically just a masterclass in video game action pacing um, beat by beat until you get to the last third of the game when i think it everyone could pretty much agree that it does fall apart a little bit and doesn't have the same momentum um when you get to is it shambhala mm. matthew is that right or have i got that wrong is that uncharted yeah that's, that's that sounds about right yeah city of gold or Terrible something boss or is, fight yeah, so yeah, a bad end boss fight and lots of like blue dudes you have to kill who are kind of a pain in the ass. Like it's not, it's quite an underpowered finale. But the obviously the train sequence in this is like the maybe still the peak of that linear action um, sort of cinematic experience. Just absolutely unbelievable the pacing of it, the build up, and how exciting it got. This was a defining PS3 game. This was the PS3 game that got 360 people to go, I want to fucking play that because we had that in our office as well. That kind of um, that phenomenon, Matthew. Thoughts on that pick? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great pick. It's one of my favourite games of this generation. I'm slightly... No, it's not regretting Metal Gear Solid 4, but Metal Gear Solid 4 next to that, I know how people's minds work. They look at the two pairings of games and go, which one's, which one's more accessible? This is total popcorn and... You know, Metal Gear Solid 4 is just quite challenging piece of work compared to that. Uh, that makes me feel quite bad already. So, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> well, you know, it was. I actually, I honestly thought you would have picked this first, and I'm surprised you didn't. Like, I get it because MGS. There's only one thing like MGS, and there are more than one thing like Uncharted 2, right? So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a draft thinking, I assume. But yeah, um, okay. Next pick then. Category three, Naughty Dog. I'm going to take The Last of Us. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 
so yeah, okay, let's just secure the two the two sides of the Naughty Dog triumph on PlayStation Three. So, yeah, so you get a little later in the generation, and I think everyone basically basically just assumed that they were going to keep making Uncharted games, and then were surprised that they were making this um, this quite gnarly survival kind of third person action adventure game with these two characters venturing across America and then dealing with these like basically like plant slash mushroom motherfuckers um and i remember thinking okay it's amazing that they are able to make these things at once because you know this is when you know naughty dog were obviously so much more prolific than they are now where they're basically making two games a generation you know maybe they'll only make one this generation which if so would be a, a real bummer but the last of us is not my favorite naughty dog game being honest like i don't think it's like the best stealth game but i think in terms of what it meant to people as a moment of like storytelling and world building like slightly younger players than us it was absolutely like a foundational really important game to i definitely said this on that last of us episode we did but to them it was as important as uncharted 2 was to me and you matthew i think it was like oh games are doing something i've not seen before and this really this really works for me and i do think it's like it's well written and well performed and i do think it's provocative i think the last of us 2 is is a masterpiece i don't think this is quite there but most people think this is a masterpiece matthew that's good enough for me to pick for my list thoughts on that one yeah play to the cheap seats (laughs) what is mgs4 but playing to the cheap seats (laughs) it's not MGS4 is a challenging work. It requires, <laughs> you know, a higher brain function to appreciate. <laughs> Does it, though? It's got a little girl frying eggs in it and a little robot spinning around. I, I don't know about that. But uh, anyway, yeah, The Last of Us is just, yeah, it showed what else Naughty Dog can do. And, you know, just gameplay-wise, just pushed them in a completely different direction to Uncharted. Very bold. And again, like, you got to the end of the generation and they were pushing out something this big and important. And I think it just... Even though the, the you know it were the dying embers of the PS3, people were so pumped for this, and it was such a mm. huge moment. And 360 didn't have anything at that time like it. They just they weren't that I was not on the ball in the same way. So mm. yeah, it was um it was significant for sure. And it caps yeah, I wanted something from that very end of the PS3 generation to represent the sort of progress it made. I guess so. The Last mm. of Us sums it up, Matthew. So yeah, what's your next good, pick? Definitely a good pick for people who like boring ladder and box puzzles. <laughs> Good. The important thing is, no one's taking this personally. Okay, no, next exactly. pick. <laughs> yeah, next uh, pick. My next pick for has a superior PS4 version now. Let's take God of War three. Oh, fair enough. I I have to have it. Like again, very much a a back page heart pick. Uh, I don't know what that says about me as a human being that I enjoy this game. It's kind of disgusting. It's often obscene. It's got some very very questionable attitudes towards women. That stuff. That's rough. I'm not endorsing all that. Um, but it is also uh, like quite a sort of singular like journey of vengeance, which has been done a million times in games. But this one, you really, it really does sell you on on this guy basically destroying the entire world as he kills the gods. And uh, you know, it's something that kind of emerged more on my more recent playthrough was actually how, how well it sells that idea of like you're absolutely wrecking everything like you literally leave the world kind of plagued flooded drowned crumbling and uh i just thought it was uh so coherent as a vision i i just i i have a huge amount of respect for this incredibly nasty childish game <laughs> yeah it's what i would have picked next for sure um 
I love God of War 3. I agree with you. It's the one of that like block of sort of PS2 era Kratos games. It is the one with where, where it feels like the people making it knew exactly what they wanted to make with no fat and no nonsense. And it's just got to be this bloody rush to the finish, this bloody climb up the mountain and then like oblivion and nothing may ever grow again, basically. <laughs> like That was kind of like the the sort of scorched earth approach they took to it. And I really think that holds up well in retrospect, especially when you play something as baggy as God of War Ragnarok by comparison. This is like a completely different... It's a world away, but arguably... I think that in years to come, maybe this type of game will seem more appealing to people than the 20 to 30 hour version of what this kind of game became. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's fair. I'm probably giving it like um, too much credit. I mean, it's it, yeah, well, not too much credit. Like I'm, I'm I'm trying to upsell what I fundamentally enjoy is like an incredibly bloody thrill ride with really gory quick time events and like absolute like all-timer cast of assholes that you get to take apart yeah um and i definitely miss them in the current iteration of the series so that's kind of emphasized it a bit more but um yeah yeah i don't know if i've actually played the ps3 version of this i think i may have only ever played the remastered version so it was pretty impressive like the the bit with um poseidon at the start looked incredible on ps3 at the time it was fine but like the PS4 version is so nice because it's just 60 frames and higher fra- and higher yeah. resolution. So, yeah, no reason to play the PS3 one, really. Um, because God of War 3 is on my mini console, we'll, of course, for my mini console launch, be repeating the God of War launch party, um, which got <laughs> OPM in the shit. That was the God of War 2 one. Where they... Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, so no. you'll be beheading a goat oh. at your party. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'll never behead a goat. <laughs> Oh, incredible. It's, it's 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 a God of War adjacent. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, you, you you know, it's not for me to comment on the uh, marketing practices of uh, Matthew Castle Productions. That's uh, <laughs> that's for the FTC to deal with, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my next pick. Uh, God, I could really do some damage to you here. Um, there's something I could do that'd be so shitty. I I think I know what it is, and just don't do it. Just be a bit be a bit <laughs> man and pick something else. I don't know. What if I did do it and just shook it up a little bit, and then like I would I would actually leave one of the categories empty. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think that would be a bit petty. It's a comp- competition, isn't it? It should be. Uh, surely it's about the spirit of competition. You could have don't like do done it. this to me. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. But what if I, I know do- you think it's funny, but genuinely. <laughs> but what if I did do it? And then, like, what would happen after that? Like, what would, uh, you know, what? sometimes don't you just want to see, you know, the sort of chaos that plays see out? See the world burn. <laughs> Isn't this the approach that Kratos took when he killed Zeus? Am I not tapping into that <laughs> one? <laughs> mm. Mm. I kind of want to do it. It's just that, like, I can't, I can't. The thing is, you've taken God of War 3. I can't take another thing like that um, because I've played God of War Ascension and it's not very good. So... Mm. And it is another game that I do really like on PlayStation 3. What about... Oh, what about, why not Journey? <laughs> I don't really like you Journey that Journey. much. Do I? I don't think so. I, I, you love Journey. It's powerful. Why don't you pick Journey? As explained previously, my experience with Journey was I played it at 5am UK time and there were no players match made with me. So I just walked by myself to the top of this mountain and the game that ended. That still sounds profound. I'd pick that. <laughs> it wasn't that profound. I was just like, aren't there supposed to be people in this? It was a bit strange. Oh, God. God. Is my friendship is my friendship with Matthew <laughs> Castle going to survive this if I do this? Mm. That's what I'm weighing up. I'm weighing up the moral implications of doing this. You're weighing up 
friend, good podcasting. Fr- strong friendship with good podcasting. It's good podcasting, isn't it? And this isn't like the. I mean, the unspoken rules of the draft thing. This goes. This takes us back to the golden eye, perfect dark days, doesn't it? I mean, doing that lost me the draft, Matthew. So if I do it this time, people could uh. think, "Fuck that guy." I'm not having yeah. that. Mm. But at the same time, there is one other game that could actually like tip this quite nicely. But I don't know. You could have taken this game instead of God of War 3, Matthew. But you didn't. Yeah, I wanted God of War 3 on my list. <laughs> you could have had this game. You've, you've not picked it. Oh, am I going to do it? God. I feel that there's such danger. There's so much danger to doing this. It could be if I do this, I don't hear from you for like two weeks. And then I'm like... Is, it's he, is he okay? It's fine. Do do whatever you think's best for your mini console. I won't be sad. Okay, fine. Category ten has a superior PS4 version now. I'm taking Uncharted three. three yeah. <laughs> fucking Uncharted three. Well, jokes on you. I fucking love Uncharted. <laughs> okay, I firmly cast myself as the villain of the podcast. If you don't vote for me because you think I'm a bastard, that's completely fine. I don't mind. Okay, yeah, this was tough because I really did want God of War 3 and I was worried about being backed into picking something like Heavy Rain for this category and you, like, ripping the piss out of me. And that's, like, that's a danger zone for me. I may still be in that place with other categories. Uncharted 3, I slightly prefer to Uncharted 2. Has some way, some way more annoying difficulty spikes that um, in the latter half of the game that don't do it for me. But actually, some of the set-piece design and the environments in this game and the journey you take... Sort of some of the I think I think personally are just on a replay holds up a bit better pacing wise than Uncharted Two does. It has momentum up until the end, whereas I think Uncharted Two loses that momentum after the um, invasion of the village, as as, as previously alluded to. Um, so I've picked this. Um, Matthew Castle may never forgive me, but uh, he took God of War Three, and I wanted God of War Three, and now I don't have it, and I have nothing That's like God the, of War Three I can pick. <laughs> well, there you go. So is this? You know what I mean? Yeah, but you the, the nature of the... <laughs> wait. You shouldn't be painting people into the corner with your fucking third choice. <laughs> I have only picked Naughty Dog games so far. <laughs> but there are loads of other categories in which you can wound me, Matthew. So, you know, you should. I encourage I you to wound me. To, I don't Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so weak. <laughs> I don't because know. people who don't listen to the podcast, they only see the list. They don't know the story behind what they're looking at. <laughs> but you, if you'd have picked Uncharted 3, I wouldn't have it. And you didn't pick it. Surely that's like the competition. I'd have yeah, picked God of, War 3. God of War 3. Exactly. But you decided to pick first and not second. That was your choice. You you could have been in my position. You know what I mean? Uh, and you have Metal Gear Solid 4. You know, I don't have that. So... It's uh, those are uh, right. Also, you got a bit. Find, I'm gonna, there's got to be something in here that you want. I'm going <laughs> to sniff it out. That's become my mission. I'm just going to find some. There's something in here you want. I know it. I've just got to think back on everything you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> I think you know one category where I want something, but you won't pick it first. So it depends. So we do that and then miss out on something else. It's, it's hard to weigh up, man. The the price of vengeance, but. Yeah, sorry about this, buddy. Um, I do still really like you and respect you. Um, and also, MGS4 and God of War 3, what is wrong with that as a pairing? That's a fucking great combination of games. Like, that's good drafting, my friend. Anyway, back Thanks. over to you, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> what the hell do I do to, like, claw back some of this? For me, the biggies are off the table. That's, that's the problem I have. Are they, though? Like, the biggies for us, but... What about in the lifespan of this console? Is that definitely true? Lifespan of this console? What am I missing? What am I missing here? 
What that's... started on PS3 that has changed the face of modern games? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Do it. I genuinely don't know what it is. Okay. Oh, let me let me think. Let me think. What started on PS3? <laughs> it's like a fucking riddle. Tell me this is not good podcasting. It's just not what it's about, Matthew. This is yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I, I just there's something here. What's here? What could I possibly? What could I possibly pick that I can start it here? Think about all the studios, all the studios. What could they? What did they do? Ah. Uh, Oh my god! Oh my god! Fuck! This is a great episode, man. I'm having a great time. Oh no, you're having a great time. <laughs> having a terrible time. Are you thinking something first party? Uh, sort of. Published by Sony. Uh, what could that be? Oh, it's too, if it's something precious, I've got to get it. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what it is. Yeah, don't don't make a wild swing to try and like preempt what this is if you don't know what it is. Like it's I don't know what it just is. Just pick like good games. That's what you gotta do, is pick some good games. Yeah. Oh I've got some tough categories. So I'll say there's a couple of categories where I'm on very uneven ground and one is shooter or platformer. So I try to keep because... it open for you that one, because I thought this will make it easier if he's got two categories to pick from. Racing's also difficult because I don't want to go multi-format, but I I have absolutely no connection to Motorstorm or Gran Turismo. Mm. Um, it's a thing that's gone on to be massive. I feel like something's staring me right in the face. Just what could it be? What could it be? I feel like you've thrown me a bone, and I hate to deflect that bone. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't give any more clues because then it looks no, like I'm can't. trying to. No, you shouldn't. I'm not interested. In... It's not kill zone. It's, it's not God of War. It's not. It's not. Uh, I got it. Yeah, he's got it. A- RPG or action adventure? <laughs> Demon Souls. <laughs> there he goes. Well done. Yes. Well done, buddy. Yes. <laughs> well done, brain. <laughs> you did it with no supervision whatsoever. And I, I got there eventually. <laughs> Demon Souls, a game. I obviously love. Yeah, classically. Uh, it's about a knight who <laughs> arrives at a castle and then can't get into the castle. That's it. That's what that game's about. I assume something happens in that castle. I got, I got further in the remake. I thought like this slug that was covered in shields it seemed impressive. People love it. It's the best RPG or action adventure on PS3. Yeah. It's Demon Souls. <laughs> very good, Matthew. Very convincing. I um, <laughs> uh, if I hadn't have told you that, I wonder what you'd have picked for this category. Because I just, I, thing is, I was definitely going to pick this next because even though, like you, I don't really have a relationship to this game that much. You know, something about slugs aside or whatever you just said. Um, it is like it does start here. It's like the the foundation of modern games. You know, the modern third person games and what people like about hardcore yeah. uh, hardcore action adventure slash RPGs it starts here on PlayStation 3 like that's an amazing string to its bow these are all the things I would have said by the way if I'd have picked it so I get to do it for you instead um, you. and so yeah like you know if you're going to represent the PS3 on a mini console you know it's a good pick so yeah, that's it though. I'm, I'm no more clues for me now though because you've, uh, you're on your own pal well, that's it you know friendship restored <laughs> which is something that might be said in Demon's Souls it says something restored <laughs> 
humanity. <laughs> oh, friendship restored. Whatever. Yeah, very good. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Um, I actually, I've played a little bit more of Demon's Souls than that in the remake. Yeah. And one thing I do like about it is that once you're over that, that initial kind of tutorial stretch, uh, it opens up in quite an interesting way in that it, it kind of spokes out from the hub and you can kind of pursue it in lots of different routes. Um, and so it's it's like like a little a little more linear and less connected it strikes me um in that spoke design but i also like the idea that you know you can kind of chip up you know take it in these four different directions it's it's got a slightly different sort of shape to it than dark souls so it it hasn't just been replaced like it, it still has its own rhythm it still has its own kind of worth um so yeah there's a bit where you fight like a giant manta ray in the sky that's cool. You can like hit it with a lightning sword. I keep meaning to play that version of it. Actually, I do have it, but um, then Elden Ring came out, and now I'm like fucking 19 games behind on the From back catalog. So forget about yeah, it. Yeah, there's something like there's something about this. It, it feels more doable, right? You know, in that it has this sort of finite space to Elden Ring. Like where I'm at now, I'm just like fuck it. I just have no idea where I should go and. At least here, you're like, well, there's only so many places I can go, yeah. And that, that's that's actually quite a good motivator. So, um, thank you for uh, very kindly <laughs> throwing me that bone. Um, uh, yeah, I did actually have. Do you know why I forgot it? It's because I had that down as one of my three for exclusive, and then I deleted it once we both picked. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. Without writing it elsewhere, that's a little behind the scenes uh, glimpse into how my document works and why it sometimes kicks me in the ass. Well, that's good. Um, you know, I hope the listeners enjoyed that little redemption arc. I've restored my status as hero in this yeah, narrative. It wasn't much of a cliffhanger for our friendship. Not really, no. I mean, it was resolved <laughs> in 10 minutes and two draft picks, so... That's good. Um, in some ways, I think like the draft begins now because I've already picked my three Naughty Dog games, obviously. Um, yeah. So I can't wait to pick mine. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it would be. Imagine I took for... for shit. Imagine for, so cross. imagine for free pick I took Uncharted. I fucking hate that game. <laughs> I hate Uncharted 1. Like, I actually hate it. I think it's shit. I, I can't, like... <laughs> no, it's not um, shit. That's... They're so lucky they got a second shot at that. No, that is not true. You've got to remember what it was like at the time. I just spent my afternoon playing oh. Resistance 2, and trust me, that does a lot of the same Call of Duty-style, you know, beat, 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 action, uh, scripted beats going on uh, stuff, and then it just it's nowhere near as successful. Uncharted was a really good version of this at the time. They just made it better. It's like overblown the idea that this game was bad. Just definitely was. Oh, I, I when I replayed it when they did the the collection on on PS4, I thought it was I thought it was a quite a tough hang. Yeah, it's the it's the like oh, and it had like motion controlled grenade arcs. <laughs> That's such a fuck you. I can't believe a game with motion controlled grenade arcs <laughs> makes it onto my list. So you're saying um, pick it for ill-advised six-axis inclusion, Matthew? No, because then I've got nothing for Naughty Dogs. They didn't make any other fucking games unless I put their. Sh- I can't put the Last of Us DLC in there, can I? <laughs> That would be so funny if you pick that. Uh, uh, I'll... That's better. I oh, know. Anyway, no. I, won't, I won't do that because okay. I've got. I haven't got the base game for people to enjoy. It. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be even be compatible, would it? So no. <laughs> they couldn't play it on your mini console. It would just be there. Oh dear. Okay, um, that's crapped me up. Right. Yeah. So from here, I can't pick Demon Souls. That was the last thing I really thought was like a draft decider. That does leave lots of cool categories. Um, tell you what, though bonus category 
HD gashes. Should I leave that? Because there's definitely at least three things I want for that one. So maybe that's a low stakes category, actually. Tell you what, I am going to take category five PSN game, and I am going to take Journey. Uh, okay. It's not one of it's not my favorite um, of the games that that game company made for PlayStation Three. In fact, it's my third favorite. <laughs> but oh, really? yeah, it is. But I do think that it was kind of the the peak of what people liked about PSN games aesthetically and in terms of game design. It was something a bit unusual, you know, a journey about you basically like growing this this scarf. Um, while exploring these environments and sharing that journey with other people and you know it was it was from a time where i think we were a bit more open to this game's whole deal is to make you feel something with its environmental design and sound design and you know yeah that kind of thing and it was we were more open to that and less cynical about it and i think it's arguably still it's probably other than like maybe like what remains of Edith Finch, which is a distant relative to this, really. That kind of like passive game experience. It's it's maybe the most like evocative of its type in its era. And I think yeah. that it represents the best of what they were able to achieve with those digital download PlayStation games of yeah. you know, you can't get anything like this on three sixty or Wii. It's something you can only experience on PlayStation. And I think it was hugely significant in the la- the latter part of that generation. There's a bunch of other stuff I thought about for this category. Flower is my favorite of their games on PS3, for sure. Um, mm. And I'm not going to rule that out for ill-advised six-axis inclusion, because it's a <laughs> pure six-axis game that. It's the only game that really did it well. But I think that Journey is the probably the one people think of the most when they think yeah. of PSN games. So it's the right pick, I think. I, I would say crucially there are loads of wimps out there who like this game <laughs> as opposed to real men who like mgs4 and god of war 3 if you like if you like games like god of war 3 and demon souls and metal gear solid 4 tough games manly games get my metal gear solid 3 if you want to dance all nimbly bimbly like in the sand <laughs> by all means by the naughty dog machine like uncharted 2 the last of us journey and uncharted 3 that's that's it's very one note <laughs> is it it's just it's very how, naughty dog how is journey like the last of us <laughs> no but it's like a load of it's like journey and a load of naughty dog games. well if you like a playstation 3 mini that objectifies women by matthew castles that's my advice to you the listener uh what's your next oh. pick matthew <laughs> bonus category hd collection Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. Did you just slam Ico on a podcast we made? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's wartime. Things are different in wartime. wartime. <laughs> this is such That's a good how... episode. Fucking hell. You're like, oh, you're. This is how it works. Yeah. Listen. Do I think Ico is a little lardy da? Yeah, I do. But Shadow of the Colossus lets you kill giant majestic beasts with a big stab to head one of the most tactile feeling games ever as you climb them up one of the most cinematic games ever i think it's got crazy scale crazy style i'm sure some people also enjoy ico but um you know you don't have to you've got shadow of the colossus if you you can enjoy them both uh are these good hd games sam (laughs) uh Yes, they're very good. Um, I think they're also good. blue point jobs. And oh well, there we go. Yeah, 1080p, uh, the works and preserve uh, the original yeah, art th- of them. 
That's good. Uh, that's that's something a little more delicate and artful to go along with all my macho bludgeonings and preposterous Kojima nonsense. Yeah, there's actually like quite a few for this one. So that was my second pick. Actually, I've got another one. Ooh. I wanted more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying this. What's that movie where the broadcaster completely loses his shit? Um, and like, and then he goes, <laughs> oh, network. Like, yeah, network. This is like your network moment. This podcast, I think. Uh, actually, I've kind of like I've gone from despair to feeling quite good again. You're like, yeah, buy my masculine console, uh, but also Ico's on it, a game that I don't like. <laughs> Yeah, but like, I don't have to like it. You don't have to like Journey. No, it's a good point. Um, this is wartime. I'm just, I'm just joshing. I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, those are good picks. You've got some good picks so far. Yeah. Okay. I've got this. This machine's currently got a strong Metacritic, which is all I care. A Metacritic average, which is what I care about. Well, so is mine because it's dragged up by all the Uncharted and. Oh Last yeah, I mean, games. I'm not saying it's, but I'm just saying like I ha- I've yet to like Red Faction this motherfucker. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. This is, yeah, I'm not sure where to kind of go from here, actually, because <laughs> there's not really an obvious... I don't have anything I'm dying to get out of my system here now. Uh, okay, let's go with Category 2 Racing. I'm going to take Motorstorm Pacific Rift. Interesting. Motorstorm was the original, like I say, was a proper system set at the time, just a really beautiful-looking game. It was, like, reasonably slight, though. I would say that after a couple of weeks, you kind of got your, your sort of value from it. The whole thing with it was you could pick a variety of like vehicles that could move in the dirt and then um you know you kind of go through this festival sort of like list of events and getting the best scores you can and you could play online as well and it was it was cool the second one though was way better had like a massive amount of like environmental variety took you to this i think it was like a volcanic island and mm. so you went from driving like um, across actual volcanoes to like beaches, and when you're on the beaches and you drove through water, it would cool down your engines and stuff like that. And it just had this really sort of like beefy, fun racing style, but like a lot of variation between the different vehicles. And I'm so hard to please the racing games; they're so not so not my sort of genre. But this had the like the sort of drama and excitement, and it was like it was like it's almost like a kind of Mario Kart level of accessibility. These are not sim games, really. Um, but then mm. there would be things like you know if you went through the tracks of um, the races who went in front of you, that would affect your sort of momentum and stuff like that. So the you know the the track would change as you were playing essentially, and um, just memories of like driving a like a fucking lorry sized vehicle across like the top of a volcano and having a great time. I think I gave this ninety three percent for plays. So a really um, a real favorite of mine and definitely the best one of this series i don't think apocalypse is considered as good and that kind of goes away after that but um yeah i'm guessing you would have picked this matthew because you'd have struggled to justify it but still it's it's one i like so any thoughts on that yeah uh no it's it's hd excite trucks isn't it <laughs> oh enough of your uh your, your shit talking what's your next pick no, I, I mean that's a compliment <laughs> it's like excite trucks but with you know excite trucks whole thing was it was uh, quite a sort of superficial racing game throwing these trucks around this like morphing landscape but this game sort of by 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 being slightly kind of prettier and having all the kind of cool you know mud physics and the like and everything you mentioned there feels like it kind of sort of did it but could do it at a, a more polished level and it's a it's a kind of racing game where spectacle is kind of a big part of the appeal so actually having a more attractive version of that does make it better yeah I think it was yeah it was just just very appealing again at a time as well where 2008 era is like you know you don't have the the PS3 doesn't have anything like Fable 2 you know what I mean like it was yeah it felt like the 360 was firmly ahead 
Although I guess the 360 version of this was Banjo, Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts, so I don't know. Your mileage <laughs> on that may vary. But yeah, this is a series that I don't think is forgotten, and this is the one I think people do talk about when they remember it fondly, and it's certainly the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, what's your next pick, Matthew? Mm. For shooter or platformer, I'm afraid I've got to take a game I haven't played. I'm right. going to take Resistance 3. Okay. Um, which, like I say, I haven't played it, but I've heard good things. I've heard people say that it is... It's slightly underrated and gets kind of lost in the conversation a bit. It's infamously a very brown game, but it's also of the... And you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong here. I I believe it to be of the school of shooters, more of the Half-Life lineage, where it's kind of like storytelling and set pieces and kind of variety within that. It's It's not, you know necessarily like a sort of very twitchy shooter it's not a big open world thing it's you know more like a i guess like a, a proto metro maybe uh. it's maybe is that is that is that overselling it that was always my read from reading about these games well was that that that's that's kind of where they fit in maybe that's wrong that's sort of what i think they tried to go for with one and three two is a bit more like a riff on call of duty with uh right. that kind of set piece design Three is like, the thing is, I couldn't remember a single bit of three. And when I was looking over it, I was watching videos back. This is a game I've completed. I just, it, none of it really tweaked <laughs> for me. I wasn't like, oh yeah, it's this amazing level when X happens. There's nothing like that in this game. And that's why I didn't pick it. I was like, I re- revisited Resistance. And I think they're of their time and everything they do, other games did better. Like Call of Duty did better. And so yeah. I just think, I, that, yeah. That, that may be true, but I also <laughs> feel, I feel okay about having you know a series which had three entries on ps3 being on my mini ps3 and representing that particular period also i honestly couldn't think of a (laughs) of a shooter i would rather have on there or a platforming game that i would rather have on there (laughs) it's i i would say of all the categories this is the one where i was like oh yikes i mean short of like putting a load of multi-format stuff in there which you can do yeah i think it's uh yeah it's it's fine it's fine like it's yeah they're just like they're just not that weirdly i think it's just because the moment we're in they're not that it's not that exciting they're just like yeah they just don't yeah. they don't quite do it for me now the way they did then they're just they're very I off mean, their time but yeah it looked quite exciting when i was watching the I, original ign review on double speed uh, <laughs> Where, but that might also be because it was all moving very fast you were like wow this thing's got some legs on it but then you forget that a man's also going <laughs> back into resistance 3 so yeah fair enough um the second one just had the big monster fights which i thought were really really cool and this one didn't really this one was like a lot more sort of somber i think that they'd lost the war against the aliens and humanities on the road i mean or that that feeds into like the masculine vibes of my console you know like this is a, this is the console for like lovers of war <laughs> for the for the melancholic war boys yeah i just think if you wanted a shooter from this era to sum up the era you just play the modern warfare one two and three like that was the that's the trilogy that sums this entire genre up so mm. i don't know i think it's i know there are some people who like this series but i just if they re- remastered them now i think it would be weird i think people would be like why are these games now i think that would be the sort of response to them but Resistance was certainly an important part of the um, PS3 journey. I just couldn't quite bring myself to pick one, Matthew. So I wish you well mm. in all, all your ventures. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Um, what have you got? What have you got next? Right. Okay. For my RPG or action adventure, I'm going to take uh, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Uh, I thought you might. So 
the only PlayStation 3 game that has Studio Ghibli's name on them. They provided a bunch of animation for this game, which was developed by Level 5. It is a very trad Japanese RPG, but at the time when it launched, we kind of needed a few of those. There weren't many around, certainly not that had like some graphical heft behind them. And this was like a long, long awaited. I think there was a DS version and a PS3 version of the same mm-hmm. game. And we never got the DS one, which sucks. Why didn't they bring that here? What a, that's really annoying, isn't it? But Because um, they had to localize a huge spell book <laughs> that you needed to play it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and with this, they did a great job of the localization. Lots of, you know, local sort of like British voices and stuff. And I think that even though the setting is not actually that Ghibli in its execution, certainly like the... Um, the sort of like audio visual side of it is very convincing in that respect, I think. And if you're going to pick an RPG to sum up the PS3 era, I think this is on the exclusive side. This is kind of it, really. But it's, I think, more fondly recalled than the second game, which I don't think people liked as much. Um, and I don't think did have the Ghibli involvement. This one feels like a a solid pick for cool, interesting stuff that was still coming out of Japan on PlayStation Three. Matthew, thoughts? Yeah, I from afar. Really wanted to play this. Um, we were following the Nino Cooney story on DS. The DS one is a really interesting game and has a lot of its own quirks and sort of shape to it. Very, very polished for a DS game. But, you know, there was no denying that the kind of pitch of these two studios working together and bringing that art style to life and having that incredible Joe Hisashi soundtrack, like, you know, yeah, of course, this is this is good. This is still good now. People still like it. So... Yes, good pick. Yeah, now available on everything else as well. So, um, yeah, play it on Steam Deck, play it on Switch. It's up to you. Uh, what's your next hmm. pick, Matthew? For ill-advised six-axis inclusion, yeah. I'm going to take Ratchet and Clank Tools of Destruction. Okay. <laughs> Ratchet and Clank list and picking your list. I never would have thought I'd hear it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen... <laughs> They're, they're more action heroes than platforming heroes. So what if their jump's not brilliant? You know, fundamentally, the excitement of this delightful comic universe is uh, unleashing the wild arsenal of Insomniac Guns, uh, which includes a tornado launcher, which is controlled with six-axis tilting, um, according to game FAQs. Uh, <laughs> Very convincing. Uh, <laughs> and also there are some free-falling sections where you control with with the tilt. I couldn't think of many good games where tilt was like at the heart of everything. Hmm. Maybe such a thing doesn't exist. Maybe you're going to surprise us all with something. I don't know. But like, where does this sit in the grand scheme of Ratchet and Clank? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, I don't think it's considered as good as A Crack in Time. Which is on PS3 no, as well. but it's like it's still like a Metacritic in the eighties. <laughs> well, you know, this is interesting because I gave it sixty eight at the time. Um, I thought Ooh. it was very conventional platformer and didn't really push forward the form. Um, well, and uh, I am quite <laughs> happy at having the illustrious Ratchet and Clank represented <laughs> on my list. If you love PlayStation, you probably like Ratchet and Clank. Oh my, uh, oh my gosh. And we'll look forward to revisiting this very strong entry in the series. This podcast like the end of Akira. Matthew's turning into that big fucking flesh monster thing. This is just, yeah, uh, truly an arc. All your favourites are here. Ratchet and Clank, <laughs> Ico. All your favourites are here. Resistance 3. <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> <hell>. <laughs> 
that is I don't think that's quite red factioning it uh well no I don't think it's possible I think we've got too many strong picks each to red faction it like it's yeah. also this we're getting into the dicier categories here where things are not quite <laughs> yeah. as as rigid so uh yeah okay um I think I've got a good pick for category eight wildcard Matthew which is a game published by From Software in Japan, 3D Dot Game Heroes. Do you know this game? Oh, I do know its name. It's the thing where you make a character out of beads. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, like you know, uh, sort of like pixels, basically like squares. Right. Yeah. Um, so you create a character and then basically play like a throwback to 2D Zelda that is presented in like with 3D visuals. So it's kind of like it has a 2D style, but you're on a 3D plane. And I th- it look- looked incredibly striking for the time, and it's quite rare and hard to get hold of now. So it's my turn to pick a game I've not played, but this is something I always had my eye on, and something I've like followed on eBay over the years to try and like track a copy down. And got really good reviews at the time. Got an eight point five from IGN, um, pretty strong on Metacritic, and mm. people re- were really ready, I think, for a Zelda a Zelda alike at a time when no one was really making stuff like that. Other than Nintendo, of course. So, yeah, it's quite quite interesting, specific PS3 Ooh. exclusive game to have in my list, Matthew. Thoughts? Yeah. I wonder if at From Software, you've got, like, all the Soulsborne people, and then you've got the guy who really wants to carry on down the beads path. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe, yeah. The beads thing is slightly um, overblown. It's just, like, a, basically a character creation tool. It's not... Um... Oh, I thought they were made from those beads that you ironed. Uh... <laughs> They look like though you know the things I'm talking about. Yeah, I kind of do, but yeah, I think it is just about like you just make your little do okay. and then get on with it. But I don't know how. If, yeah. I don't know if beads was um was that a big I'm deal. I'm just trying to make I'm just trying to make people associate this pick with beads. So it seems <laughs> less impressive. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Good. Uh... When you come to vote, remember beads. <laughs> Great. Uh, curious to see what you what uh, horror show six out of ten horror show you pick for that category, Matthew. Um, so what's your next pick? My next pick. For wildcard, or no? Mm, do I do that? I don't think you're going to take this, so I can probably leave it. For wildcard, uh, I'm going to take Puppeteer. Oh, yeah, I played this today. I didn't think it was very good. Oh, <laughs> I played it yesterday and thought it was okay. Uh, it feels like a PS Move 3D game that just doesn't quite make sense out divorced from that to me um sorry what you talk about what it is first puppeteer uh, it's like a 2d platformer that is is uh you play as like a sort of little like marionette thing that loses its head it can swap on different heads which makes you think it's going to be like um dynamite heady or something it kind of has that like it, you think oh is this going to be like a cool 2d treasure style action game actually the head stuff didn't really seem to factor into it what the actual the more interesting mechanic is uh, you have a big pair of scissors and you can kind of cut through threads and material. Um, I actually think the scissors mechanic is quite nice feeling. It's why I included it in the list. I was like, I could see this working in like a Paper Mario or something. It had quite a nice sense of like chopping through all these, all these very tactile materials as they kind of tear and shred. Uh, I thought, you know, this feels like classic wildcard territory. I don't know if it's a massively long game or a particularly loved, beloved game. But um, the fact that it's presented as this sort of stage show with like shifting bits of scenery, it's it's quite um, it's quite artfully done. Maybe it has a little bit of that like sort of like little big planet like look to it in terms of um, stuff 
sort of shifting around in and out, coming down on ropes. It's a bit like homemade and arts and crafty. Um, yeah, I like I, I I did play this and I thought it was genuinely okay, okay enough to be my wild card. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just yeah, I, it looks really nice, definitely, and like looks and sounds presentation wise, it's fantastic. But like I say, I think the gameplay really feels like it's made for PS Move. The way it kind of gets you to move a little character across the screen, grabbing stuff, feels like it needs a pointer more than a controller. Um, yeah, you do control the other character as a pointer, which is yeah, yeah a bit of a pain in the ass. But, but does your curse console come with a PS Move, Matthew? Does that come with it as well? I ne- <laughs> it comes with whatever it needs for these games to be enjoyed at their 7 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, um, the only game I ever played with PS Move was Child of Eden, actually, and it worked really well with that, as you might expect. So, um, yeah. Um, I, I'm not too worried. I think you see puppeteer next to 3D dot heroes. I don't think either of those terms means a huge amount to anyone. Nah, so it's just about picking something. <laughs> they cancel each other out. Yeah, I sort of like, yeah, I, I did really weigh up puppeteer. It was on my list until I played it, and I was just like a bit a bit <laughs> underwhelmed by it. But, you know, fair enough, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, next pick then. Matthew's going to shit talk this, but I think it's the absolute right pick. Category four, shooter or platform. I'm going to take Little Big Planet two. So, a big part of the PS3 experience for me didn't was... even cross my mind that it was a platformer. <laughs> that's how little I think of its platforming. Jesus. Uh, so, Ma- <laughs> no, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Whereas Ratchet and Clank, I mean, come on. Um, I genuinely forgot Little Big Planet until I just said it when I was talking about Puppeteer, and then I was like, why didn't I pick that for platformer? <laughs> I gotta say, you know, however, people always fucking complain about the platforming a little bit planet, right? Because there's like these three different planes of the foreground and background you're moving between, and it's not super slick. What I will say is that the campaigns that made the most out of that were an absolute delight in both one and two, with the Stephen Fry narration and all these inventive yeah. level ideas that were built using the tools they you they then give you to create levels with as a player. Now those tools were very in depth, but I was not. I didn't really have the time at the time to like get properly into them. But I got so much joy out of people's creations in this. I had lots of like nice, sort of wholesome. Because I, I, you know, moved. I moved out of my house when I was eighteen, and my brother was like eight uh, or like seven, and so it was. I think he was like quite devastated when I left. So one thing we did actually do to keep in touch was PS3 obviously had free multiplayer, so we would. I would jump into Little Bit Planet and then go between a bunch of different levels and just randomly, like firing through them. And I remember we went through this whole sequence of you could because you could do chains of levels. There was like a whole sequence of Star Wars levels we went through where they re- re- like recreated the entire story right down to like the Death Star trench run and stuff like that. Mm. And obviously the levels. I think I've talked before about the level where you climb inside a guy's mouth, hold onto a big poo that fires out of him while he's going making noises like that. You dunk the poo into a toilet and then loads of little um, baubles come down as your reward for doing that. Lots of kind of like memorable um, sort of player created nightmares that people people built. And then you could, um, with the, with two, they imported all the levels from one and added a bunch of new tools as well. So people could make like puzzle games and things like that. Really, really impressive. And I think because this, it was the first taste of that player created content, I think there was slightly more appetite for it than maybe there would be now if you integrated this into a game. Because now I think people are more keen to just like learn how to how an Unreal Engine works or whatever. And it's a bit of a different different landscape. But then I think because they made such a big deal about this play, create, share thing, people were well up for it. But I just found these games really delightful and they are emblematic of what the PlayStation 3 did really well. So I think they deserve a place on my list, Matthew. And I knew you wouldn't pick it, so I left it until this point in the list to uh, to select it. 
thoughts? Yeah, I mean, yeah, very different philosophies there if you're looking at Little Big Planet 2 versus Resistant 3. <laughs> um, one is literally a boundless celebration of invention and creativity, and the other is a lot of very brown houses. Yeah, <laughs> the other is Little Big Planet 2. Uh, tough break. Um, yeah, I like. I, I, t- to, you know, bring up the cliche there, I just. I just don't like the. I, just, I genuinely do think the feel of this game undermines everything, but um, <laughs> that's just me. I think you have to be quite I've played, quite joyless I've to fight Planet One for like three hours, and then that was it. So I think you have to be quite joyless to fight the fun of this. It's pretty breezy, breezy action. Ugh. I don't think it's like it's not like playing Celeste or something. It's not challenging. It's just fun and nice to a nice world to I'm be just, in. Yeah, I'm just not a big build your own stuff and. When other people build cool stuff, it just makes me feel jealous of go. them. So that old one, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's true. Like I'm just too petty to enjoy Little Big Planet. Ah, uh, okay, that's fine. Um, but yes, I think uh, you know, as a significant moment in PS3's lifespan, it it belongs on my list, so it's all good. Um, hmm. What's your next pick, Matthew? Wouldn't it be good if I picked Little Big Planet One as my free pick? <laughs> you selected it for Naughty Dog, and I just saw what would happen. That would be, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. We're into some sort of some real dread. <laughs> there's a like a there's a there's a like a twisted part of my brain that's saying, let's let's pick a Quantic Dream game for free pick. I'm surprised you haven't picked a Yakuza actually. Uh no. You see, I was I've been thinking about that all day. But the problem with the, particularly with Yakuza on on PlayStation Three is I feel like they're all like the middle parts of something. I don't think there's one that was partic- as satisfying, like, standalone. No, but you have, like, five, which is, like, the monster Yakuza game, right? It's, like, 50 hours yeah. long. It has loads of characters and stuff, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's something weird about it in isolation. That that would look weird to me if it was a mini console in a shop. I'd be like, Yakuza Live? Eh? <laughs> um, I'd say it exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Do I put? I don't really like Heavy Rain, but I think it is interesting. Yeah, it's it's. it's quite... I've got a category. It was second in, and I, you know, I may still pick it for something. I don't know. Yeah. But you have uh... you have like thoroughly slammed it. You are with the masses on this one. You are just out on this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I've, I've done well. My, listen, my list is taking me to some pretty dark places. <laughs> it um, has, and I, I'm worried that you're just you're selling your soul to win the vote, and I don't want to see that happen to you, man. You know, God. This seems even spicier in the light of like what we now know about Quantic Dream as a studio, but I don't think you can tell the story of PS3 without Quantic Dream on there. I've got a little bit of like everything on here, so. Uh, Continuing that theme, I am going to take Heavy Rain, a game I'm not wild about, but does have individual scenes that I quite like. My big problem with this game, he said while trying to make a case for it, is that uh, I just find it wildly inconsistent. And everyone always talks about the very like human moments, making tea for your kid or being like a sad dad or whatever, and then they forget like all the incredibly dumbest shit scenes that follow immediately after those or the fact that it ends in a fight above a trash compactor the most cliched bullshit you could possibly put in like if it is like a film it's one of the worst films ever made but that's 
listen, we're not talking about that. We are talking about its successes, its individual moments that do resonate with people. The fact that it tries to go outside of uh, the traditional kind of action beats of normal games and show like a wider range of scenarios. Um, it looks quite rough now, but at the time it was considered quite cutting edge. Maybe it's good as a time capsule for that reason. Yeah, Heavy Rain is my free pick. Yeah, I actually did want to pick this, so I was trying to talk you out of it. But um, Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I think this is... I don't know, I think that I would vote for a, a list that had this on it. I think you're... It's very short-sighted to slam it for those cliched scenes. I mean, what, you think the first, like, proper cinematic-looking interactive adventure is going to be, like, fucking Fincher five-star film out of the gate? Have a bit of, like, cut a bit of slack, you know what I mean? Like, it's... But it's, it's very fine. like the chase where the guy keeps tripping up on all the boxes and all that. Maybe I've just been, I've just been warped by the memes. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that I just think that the people were so up for this in the moment, and then the consensus completely overrode it. And I just think the fundamentals of it were so so strong as an interactive branching game where there were actual consequences to those branches. Like it's yeah, it was. I think it was a really significant PS3 game, and it looked fucking amazing as well. So, ah, sweet. Well, I'm glad it's on my machine. Well, I liked it. No one else likes it, but I like it. So, <laughs> it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. OPM liked it because they all gathered around me when I was sitting in a games cage, going, "Think you're better than Heavy Rain? Do you? <laughs> do you? Think you're better than Heavy Rain? Do That's you? a great. Started, started pushing me lightly. <laughs> Should have asked. Tim. I'm embellishing that. Though. Yeah, definitely. Should have asked Tim about that, shouldn't we? Um, Tim on one side, Ben Wilson on the other. They're just pushing me back and forth. Oh yeah, you must have felt very bitter in that scenario, Matthew. Uh. <laughs> and I was like, one day I'll come back and make the most macho PS3 mini console you've ever seen. Motherfuckers. The goats being beheaded, the works. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I've got a slightly shitty pick for free pick, Matthew. But Ooh. I think it's okay because this caps off the very end of like the PS3's lifespan. Category 9 free pick. I'm going to take Persona 5. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because this kind of is a PS3 ass looking game. Persona 3, Persona 3 and 4 came out on PS2. Then they almost skip a generation, taking so long to kind of get this onto modern platforms. It does launch on PS3 and PS4 here. You can buy this on PS3. A lot of people experience this on PS4, but I think it's got a bit of a whiff of the old PS3 spirit about it. So I think for a free pick, this adds a little bit of colour to my list and is an absolute stone-cold classic. Um, So what do you think of that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I kind of forgot it was a PS3 game. Even though what you say makes sense. Um, yeah, man, that, that machine had a tail on it. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah. I mean, it's a great game. I'm not going to say anything bad about Persona 5. I absolutely fucking love it. And kind but, of um, identical on PS3 and PS4 as well. It doesn't. It's yeah. not like it's any different, really. Um, Who played? It definitely released in the UK on PS3. Yeah, it did. You, yeah, US. Right. You, you can buy this for about 30 quid on PS3, basically. It's not... Uh, wow. Yeah, it's not like... Uh, that's mad. Yeah, it's a bit like I guess like Breath of the Wild being on Wii U or whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, so Persona Five, yeah, obviously like one of the you know the probably the signature uh, modern Japanese RPG with uh, lots of like character relationship stuff that you do during the day. And then at night you go into these dungeons and fight monsters, and then um, infiltrate the mind palaces of absolute bastards. But the real fantasy is living the lives of these cool teenagers um, in Tokyo. And uh, yeah, seeing those um, relationships blossom and getting invested in their in their various journeys. Mm. And now I think that 
there's there are many other games scrambling around this to replicate some of those same elements and i think it's gonna have a profound effect on on the games that follow probably from some of their um genre stable mates matthew so mm. persona 5 yes uh you probably did play us on ps4 but this did come to ps3 so for a free pick to add a bit of color I think it was just a bit stronger than Infamous 2, which I just don't think I could convincingly tell people this is an exciting reason to buy a mini console. Much as I enjoyed it at the time, I think it probably was like a 7-8 borderline. So, yeah, it's tough. Uh, I didn't want to sell out. So, there you go. Mm. What's your, are you a final pick now? No, I've got a couple more. Right. A question of whether this is acceptable. And I'll take your answer to be final. I'm not going to argue against it. Yeah. For Category 3, Naughty Dog, could I take the Jack and Daxter collection? Uh, well, we have a HD collection bracket is the thing. And I guess I didn't want it to become overburdened with like compilations of stuff. Uh, but I'm feeling generous. And uh, you seem to be a bit down in the dumps about some of your picks. So I'm going to allow it, Matthew. You're going to allow it? Yeah, why not? I don't mind. It's fine. Thank you so much. I didn't want Uncharted Drake's Fortune. I really do not like that game. And I think it's bad, very bad. I Even compared to 2 and 3. Obviously compared to 2 and 3. But I'm glad it's not on there. I mean, do I like Jack and Daxter collection? Uh, I mean, you know. People loved them on PS2. Kind of classic platforming heroes. Uh, I've only played the first one in any substantial way. And actually... I had an okay time collecting all those precursor orbs um, in quite an impressive sort of sort of sort of open world sort of sprawl like it's all kind of interconnected the kind of structure the thing. Um, I know my brother played the subsequent ones where it all went a little bit sort of sci-fi and cities and flying cars and that wasn't really my bag. But um, you know, having and I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to pitch this as like oh, you get three games if you get this like i don't really care about two or three let's just let's just imagine we're only really going to play one and uh yeah i i would much rather play this than uncharted one so that's why we're doing that <laughs> okay fair enough um yeah so i love the original jack and daxter and i did play the version again that they did on ps3 and i thought it's pretty good and i don't like the second one because it adds guns and not very good open world gameplay, though it did look amazing. I mean, um, that's good for my macho console. Yeah, and I, I thought the third one set third one set in the desert. I don't know that much about it, but yeah, fair enough, Matthew. Yeah, just very odd to hear you picking like PS2 platforming icons across the board on your your console. <laughs> but these are we are through the uh, through the looking glass here, people. <laughs> Listen, once once I yeah, Ico, Ratchet, Clank, Jack and Daxter. I'm, I'm taking a swing at what I think a PlayStation person would like to hear. Fair enough. So I okay. So my next pick is going to be category six, ill-advised six-axis inclusion. I was very close to picking Heavenly Sword, a game I quite like. Like a, it was like a seven from the time, but it was kind of an interesting seven because it allowed you to fire like arrows and control them with the six-axis. Um, mm. But I thought that was actually like maybe a little bit too underpowered compared to some of your your picks. Um, so I did think I'm going to instead go for Wipeout HD which was a really fucking great version of Wipeout that was actually like a genuine PS3 download highlight. And I think it maybe did HD'd up some of the um, the Wipeout PSP games, and that was like what the game was. But it also... So they added this mode called uh, Zone, I think, in Wipeout Fusion. But when they brought it to the HD version, basically like you were going through these the tracks and they are completely changing colour when you enter a new zone. 
So it's just this like amazing audio visual experience. It's basically like a survival mode. Your vehicle gets faster and faster. You just have to keep going for as long as possible. And then I think there were leaderboards to kind of um, sum that up um, at the end. And I, I really, I just really loved that. I just that was the mode I kind of played the most of this. I wasn't as into like the basic racing, but that as a kind of like look how fucking nice you can make this look on your hd tv thing with these stark visuals almost like you're looking at like a, a visualizer in an old ass like windows media player or something just extraordinary right. looking thing really love that i think the six axis controls were you could control the pitch of the ship a little bit left and right but like obviously you could turn that off as well so this um yeah i think this also sums up something really nice that was going on on the racing side on playstation i think it'll be a favorite with some of our listeners so that makes more sense mm. than heavenly sword which i do still respect as like a, a high-end attempt to do a cinematic story it was just a little bit too short for people and um right. yeah uh, and it, i i played that on streaming for about 10 minutes and was like I don't know if streaming does it justice necessarily. It looked quite smeary to my eye. Yeah, and you know, it didn't at the time, that's the thing. Although a lot of these games do look like they played through Vaseline. I did play a bit of Haze for this podcast, Matthew, when it got a second version because my first version had no disc in it. So I paid £2 <laughs> for two copies of Haze, only one of which had the disc in it. Very cursed weekend for Sammy Roberts. That game is not very good, um, and it is very, very blurry. But the biggest problem with it, apart from the bad shooting, is it's like it's actually like a quite an undercooked run at what Spec Ops: The Line would do well. It's kind of meant to be about like, you know, it's about a corporation sending soldiers into battle and and all drugged up, so they don't they repress right. they repress how they feel on the battlefield and stuff. But Spec Ops has a much better version of that sort of thing, obviously. So um, yeah, but anyway, discuss that in the old 360 draft. So yeah, Wipeout HD. That's my category six pick, Matthew. I have one more pick after this. So I'm guessing this is your last pick. I've got two more. Oh, okay, yeah, because we did have yeah, I went had two picks. So yes. yeah, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick uh, for PSN game, which I really struggled with because I don't think I played any PSN games. I I played a bit of this last night and it seemed fine. <laughs> So I'm going to pick Rain for this. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, kind of slightly sort of art, artsy, sort of fartsy, sort of sad, sad, invisible boy in Rainy City. Uh, the central mechanic being that when it rains on him, you can obviously see him. When he steps out the rain, he's invisible. And you, you can sort of see where he is by his footprints or knocking over objects. There are kind of like ghost dogs who are trying to kind of track him down. And again, the kind of where they can and can't be seen is part of the mechanic. Um, it seems like the kind of thing I would probably call whiffly piffly. Um, but <laughs> listen, I needed a PSN game. I tried this. I tried Trash Panic. Trash Panic was fucking garbage, literally. Um, so uh, Rain it is. You could have done so much better in this category. There's Pixel... The Name one pic- game that's better than Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel Junk Monsters, uh, Pixel Junk Eden... Uh, oh, I never. I just Sa- didn't have any relationship with those. Savage, Savage Moon, that rules. Tower defense game. I've got ten minute relationship with Rain now. <laughs> uh, the unfinished Swan, which was like what the un- the um, Edith Finch devs yeah. did before before this. You would have called that Whiffly Piffly too, though. Um, Flower, uh, Flow. Uh, oh, these yeah. are all better games yeah. than that to me. But you know, I've not, I've only well, played a little listen. bit. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's called Rain. Um, uh, Chris Donlan gave it six in your. <laughs> Really backing up your case here. I don't, I, so, how did you end up um, picking all yeah, these games listen. you don't like in the second half of your list? It's a real all-timer for you, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really bizarre. I don't think anyone's deciding this based on what PSN game we pick. Well, no, but it does, like, I think Journey is quite a lot stronger than Rain. I mean, Jer- yeah, but that's the thing. I, like, I would have picked Journey. Right. 
if if you hadn't picked it first. But I think Flower is know. as strong as Journey. Also, you could have, you uh, could have picked I never, Dead Nation. I never really got it. Dead Nation, Super Stardust HD. There are loads of good PSN games you could have picked for this. How smart yeah. were killing I just, it. I just think you had to be a bit more embedded in the console for those things to have become known to you. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's your I'm list. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying I just didn't I just didn't have the experience your, of them. Your advertising's like, oh, yeah, Kratos, Snake, and also Little Boy in the Rain. <laughs> <laughs> little Boy can only be seen in the rain. <laughs> Another classic. Okay, good. <laughs> good stuff. We stumble to the uh, the last two picks of this list then. Um, okay, so um, my last pick then. Bonus category HD collection. Why don't I just take the MGS HD collection for this? Um, oh shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, so you've got Metal Gear Solid <laughs> 2, uh, Sons of Liberty, and Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater with the subsistence controls in lovely HD done by the very talented people at Blue Point. Absolutely amazing update of these games. We just did a pod on how good MGS 3 still is. Um, I think that's a, a good pick here. I did consider God of War 1 and 2, and I'm surprised you didn't pick those, Matthew, because that would have complemented 3 quite nicely, I think. But, yeah. Uh, a very PlayStation-y kind of lineup. But if I have to fight back against Ico and Shadow Colossus, I'll just pick two of, you know, one of my favourite games of all time and one very contentious, interesting game that's still very fun on a replay. So, mm. MGS HD it is, Matthew. We've discussed those games plenty on this podcast, though. So, let's get to your final Good pick. Picks. Yeah. My final pick for racing... <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I have no relationship with racing games on PS3. I'm going to take Motor Storm Apocalypse. Okay, fair enough. Which is the the follow-up to uh, Motor Storm Pacific Rift. Uh, appears to be set in San Francisco <laughs> as it goes through the apocalypse. Actually looks a little bit split second in like lots of shit collapsing around you. Um, it's kind of going for that sort of spectacular blockbuster vibes. Um, apparently that is a little bit annoying. Um, because like the collapsing tracks it's a little bit like learn by rote it's less of a like even less of a of a technical racer i guess um but you know it it, it's a it's a it's an exclusive it looks kind of flashy i'm betting big on people seeing two motorstorm games next to each other and maybe not knowing the difference (laughs) um but listen you gotta do what you gotta do to win the fucking draft. Don't you like? Haven't you played like Gran Turismo before? Is that not a thing you sort of you've tuned into a little bit? I, uh, no, I find Gran Turismo very boring. Fair enough. That that and motors, uh, Forza Motorsport. Like I just, I'm just not into like simier things or things which are about like, oh, don't you love cars so much? Don't you love looking at cars? It's like, nope, I do not. Um, <laughs> See, not interested in cars in the slightest. <laughs> See, for... unless Mario's driving. <laughs> Of course, or Donkey Kong. See, I thought for some of these categories where you didn't know them so well, you might fight back with something a bit different, like a you know, like a Burnout Paradise or that sort of thing. Yeah, you know. I, but I just, I just didn't feel in the spirit of the thing. I see what you mean. Yeah, but you know, a yeah, multi-format game. I just there's no multi-format game uh, that I would have picked that I don't associate more with 360. And I had to be honest. I had to be true to that. So. That's taken me some pretty fucking dark places. <laughs> it has. I'm not going to lie. The darkest journey you've been on in one of these drafts yet. But, you know, you'll probably, you know, you may yet triumph um, with... Uh, I don't know. Resistance and Little Big Planet's really upsetting me. You haven't got Little Big Planet. I've got... Resi- I've got. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, all right. that's what I mean. The, pe- the, the, the pairing of those. But you are right. Res- Resistance 3 is the one people like the most. I was, like, doing yeah, a bit of no research. no one likes it. <laughs> well, none of them... It's like the one Resistance fan. Does he listen to this podcast? <laughs> I'll tell you what, actually. Some Resistance fan site faved the um, the, the fake um, 
categories uh, on Twitter, which made me think they're out there. <laughs> so desperate for oxygen. <laughs> they're out there somewhere, Matthew. <laughs> They'll take anything they can get. God, uh, desperate. Okay. Well, that's... Uh, well, I'll count on them signal boosting this podcast. Fair enough. Um, yeah, they may get hold of it, and um, and yeah, it, it, may, it may take off in your favour. So... You can vote for the winner at BackPagePod on Twitter. So, um, yes, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about the results at a later time, and I will add to the episode description who won um, further down the line so you can see, in retrospect, in case you just listened to this by itself, this deranged podcast, and thought, what happened there? Um, so I'll put that in there. Um, but for now, Matthew, let's summarise what we picked for each of these categories as people um, figure out who they're voting for. So for Category 1 exclusive, I picked Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. I've got Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriot. Category 2, Racing. I picked Motorstorm Pacific Rift. I got Motorstorm Apocalypse. Category 3, category three Naughty Dog. I got The Last of Us. I got the Jack and Daxter collection. <laughs> category... F- <laughs> category... F- <laughs> Sorry. Category 4, Shooter or Platformer. I got Little Big Planet 2. Oh, tough. I got Resistance 3. Category 5, PSN game. I got Journey. I got Rain. <laughs> Category 6, Ill-Advised 6-Axis Inclusion. I got Wipeout HD. Ratchet and Clank, Tools of Destruction. Category 7, RPG or Action Adventure. I got Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. I got my favourite game ever, Demon's Souls. <laughs> That's a great pick. Category 8, Wildcard. I got 3D.GameHeroes. I got Puppeteer. Category 9, Free Pick. I got Persona 5. I got Heavy Rain. Category 10 has a superior PS4 version now. I picked Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. I got God of War 3. Category 11, bonus category, uh, I got HD for HD Collection. I got Metal Gear Solid HD Collection. I got Ico and Shadow of the Colossus HD Collection. Nice. You can vote for the winner at Backpage Pod. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Matthew for suffering through this. I think it's been a fun podcast, Matthew. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fun. I look forward to At some point, you allow us to do the Game Boy draft. That's um, the one I'm sort of putting yeah. for. But, you know, whenever you feel ready, pal. I know you want to be on... It's a big, it's a big like, mental block in my head now. Yeah. And this one, you were like, oh, whatever. I could just fire through this one. But get... <laughs> yeah. Nintendo, you don't fuck about, do you? So I, I This it. one was even more traumatic. <laughs> okay that was a lot of fun we'll uh, post this on backpage pod like i say the pinned tweet for the next week you can vote for the winner matthew where can people find you on social media i'm at mr basil underscore pesto i'm samuel derby roberts if you listen to this uh, deranged uh, show of whatever the fuck just happened for the last hour and thought i want to support this financially patreon.com slash backpage pod where you get two additional podcasts a month including the mission impossible mission impossible uh, podcast uh, ranking the films as we um, have discussed many times now We'll be back next week with a new episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.